Hello, and welcome to the Dub Talk User Agreement Manual. These simple instructions will help to maximize your podcast listening experience and help you overcome your horny perverted tendencies. And if you're lucky you many even get a cute robot girlfriend of your own you lucky dog. Firstly, the following podcast may contain language that is not suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Secondly, there will definitely be spoilers for Kobits. Multiple clamp series and any other media being discussed. Be wary if something you haven't finished yet is brought up. Third, the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants. And do not necessarily reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. And on a personal note, please remember that love can bloom in the most unpredictable of places. As the heart wants what it wants. But please try not to fall in love with your iPhone. I'm begging you. There is somebody out there for you, you can do much better. With that being said, thank you for listening to this podcast, sit back relax and enjoy. This town, this town is full of people. This people are with it. It wants to be a person. But it is not a person. I know that better than anyone. It is a podcast. A podcast of people who are not people. People who come together to talk about Japanese cartoons. Japanese cartoons are not people. But in this town, anyone can talk about Japanese cartoons. Are you the listener who is for me? Or are you not the listener who is just for me? Chi? Oh god, everyone's broken. We're gonna have to reboot you. All right, everybody, get on over here. Oh god, no, 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 (laughs) no! You ain't touching me. (laughs) You are not the one for me, so you may not not come inside. (laughs) God damn it! (laughs) I was to say, Noah, I love you. But not like that. <laughs> despite despite that, that's the, Andrew's job. <laughs> yes, it is, and I'm more than happy to let him do that. He he can be the one to hack your fireware. I don't want any part oh. of that. <laughs> he will be the one to take you underwear shopping. That is more than he's more than earned it by this point. Underpants, underpants. underpants. <laughs> Andrew likes got... underpants. Oh my god. <laughs> I think in this analogy, Hardy then would, Hardy would be the uh, the boss would be the boss of the bar who lends me his porn. That's that's the kind of guy he is. Oh my god! He's also the guy anyway. who lends you a fucking DVD player that can play MMOs, and I know I'm going to talk about that later. But what the fuck was that shit about? <laughs> what the why the who are we? Why are we here? What's going on, Noah? I, I'm glad you asked because welcome everyone to an extra special episode of Dub Talk, the one and only podcast where a group of internet nerds get together to talk about the English dubs of Japanimation, some old, some new, and some of them with very sentimental reasons. And this is a very special episode because we are continuing our five year anniversary shows. Where Happy each- birthday, Dub Talk! It's been five fun years. Oh um, my god. Man, it feels like just yesterday. So each member of the Dub Talk group gets a chance to pick one show of the, that is very special to them and use that as the basis of an episode. We've gone through Gunsmith Cats. We've gone through Gurren Lagann. We've gone through 
What else did we go through? I, we I, did I, Last Exile. We've done Fooly Cooly. I think that's it right now. For yes, now. This is the fi- yes, this is the fifth episode. Yeah, so. this one's going to be number five. And clearly, but from looking at the image on your screen and from that opening sentence, you, you guys clearly know what we're talking about. We're here she? to talk about... Yes, we're here to talk about Martin, Martian Hunter Negusco, um, the uh, sci-fi epic that... <laughs> I gotta say, I thought we were here to talk about Triple X-Holic. Gee? No one calls it Triple X-Holic. This is not a Vin Diesel uh, vehicle. So it's, it's just Holic? Yes. Yeah, they just call Legit. it Holic. The, Why? the X's Why? are silent. Because Japan. Anyway. Sorry. We are here to talk about the 2002 Madhouse adaptation of the Clamp series, Chobits. Chi. Um, yes. Uh, you will hear Chi a whole lot in tonight's episode. And Probably why from is me. That? I mean, since you're the only girl in the group, I think you have more than enough right to do that. Chi. Um, so I assume that I need to tell people what the show is about. Yes, and please. why this is so special. I'll make this brief. So Chobits is set in a kind of a future world where computers, personal computers, have developed beyond just being laptops and desktops. They are actually human-sized. They are humanoid computers that, for lack of a better description, uh, function more like uh, Alexa devices now. You speak to them, they speak back, they can do all sorts of functions, they basically serve every role that you would need in today's society if you've got the money for it. Uh, unfortunately, our lead character, Hideki Motosua, is a poor country bumpkin who does not have that kind of money, and he failed into getting into college, so he is going through the grueling task of being a prep school student and a part-time bar worker while trying to make it into school. Luckily, his world is about to turn topsy-turvy, because he is lucky enough to find a Persicom abandoned in the garbage, which, you know, finders keepers, takes her home, turns her on through a scene that I will not describe to you, because message boards will tell you exactly how he turns her on. Uh, and yes. Giggity giggity. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving Hardy a free pass to make the crude jokes tonight, so go for it, man. Alright! <laughs> God. God damn it. Anyways... But anyways, uh, so he turns on this new Persicom that he finds, and she's an incredibly cute Persicom. Unfortunately, she can only say chi. Chi? She can't can't perform any of the regular functions that personal computers are supposed to do. Um, She has no hardware installed, and when they try to figure out where she came from or what basically what she is, she tends to crash every other computer that tries to interact with her. Uh, so from there, it's kind of a blend between a mystery to try to figure out where Chi came from and simultaneously learning a lot about what human Persicom relationships could be like in the future. Um, so that, that's the, the heavier subjects that we're going to talk about when we're not referencing beach episodes, haunted apartment episodes, and the infamous Let's Go Get Some Underwear episode. Underpants! Underpants! I gotta say, of those she three... Has to underpants! Thank you, please! Underpants, thank you, please. Ah, 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 ah. These are not for you. You are not the one just for me, my pervert. underwear. Pervert. Pervert. <laughs> no, it is a pervert. Andrew, no, it's my job tonight. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I can be Samomo. I can be Samomo. It's time for the Wakey Wakey Dance. Babe, you're falsetto. God damn. <laughs> that's actually more, that's very fitting. So, um, speaking of the Persicoms in the group here, let's talk about who we have. Uh, to my right, I have Persicom Andrew. One, two, three, four. Jesus two, Christ. Two, three, four. Three, two, three, four. <laughs> Hello. I would actually, 
I would actually pay for a dub, a redub of the show with just Andrew doing all of the women characters. I would not throw my money at it. <laughs> you shouldn't throw your money at it. Hello, I'm happy to be here tonight. We're going to have a fun time with Ethics 101. I mean, Chopin. <laughs> God damn it. Some people have more ethics than others. Oh, Speaking of oh ethics, boy, do they! <laughs> Speaking of ethics, we also have Lilac. Chi. You have to be the the ethical center Gee. for us. We have no restraints. Pervert, pervert. Andrew is a pervert. Hey, that's uncalled for, but it's accurate. <laughs> it's 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 oh, it's so fucking called for. I'm your girlfriend. Remember, I can say this. That is true. You've earned the right. I've earned and- the right to call you a pervert. Let it happen. And to round out this very masculine group, we have Spaceman Hardy. So, Noah, did you... What was your favorite one of those DVDs I lent you? (laughs) (laughs) You sound like a... You make it sound like you're a dealer all of a sudden. Well, well, I I gotta tell you, The Hills Have Size is a personal favorite of mine. Oh, yeah, but hey, it's got nothing on Do You Know the Milfing Man. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. I mean, when you when you start out, when your very first hentai is uh, Sailor Moon and the Seven Balls, it's kind of hard to you know find something better than that. Oh God! <laughs> what 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 have I gotten myself into right now? You have actually sentimentally enough, you have probably roped yourself into the deepest, most thought provoking show we will ever talk about on this podcast. I, I call I that some bullshit, I, but I, I at least see your that. argument. In, I highly in parts doubt of that. the show. I mean, we'll get to that when we get to it, but yes, for those who only know the show as a fan service romp because they haven't seen the whole thing, uh, we're going to attempt to try to undo that stigma, despite probably not disproving that in the first 15 minutes of this recording. Probably. Probably. <laughs> so, Noah, quick question for you, because these birth- these um, Dub Talk anniversary episodes are very special, and you said it yourself, that every episode that the hosts pick has a special meaning to them. They do. So, real quick, what is Chobit? Why did you pick Chobits? What special meaning does it have to you? I think I've mentioned before in the podcast that I didn't really start watching anime until college. And the first one I watched was Lucky Star, which we did an episode on last year for my birthday mm-hmm. episode. So mm-hmm. that one had uh, that one had a beat meaning to me. But Chobits is interesting because um, it was the first manga that I was ever exposed to. I had a friend in middle school who... Okay. Who wasn't exactly a weeb, exactly. I mean, he did stay up late and watch um, Adult Swim anime and introduce me to all the programming that was on that block. And he also had a couple of the first volumes of the Chobits manga. So that, And if you've read the manga, you know that it's it's got like some Barbie doll nudity to it. And if you're like an impressionable middle schooler who hadn't really been exposed to something like that, it's kind of a bit of a wake-up call. So, and then, so when I started watching anime, um, I was thinking like, okay, what other stuff can I dig into? Um, saw my second anime, which I won't tell you what it was yet. We may say that for a later episode, but let's just say it's very different from Lucky Star. Like, ungodly different. Um, And then the third anime I watched was Chobits. Found out that, yes, there is a full... This got adapted into an anime. Saw it all the way through, and despite uh, kind of dismissing it as uh, just fun fan service pandering, which I was totally fine with at first... There was a lot to unpack into it that really struck me as a starving college student at the time, because the lead character of Hideki is himself a struggling college student. Uh, I think I saw it at just the age where it was most impressionable to me, 
and we'll talk about more of the themes as we go along, but that uh, impact that really left an impact on me um, in being surprised by anime, and that's why I really, I, I just really, really love this show. Nice. Real quick, and you can cut this out when you edit it, what's your second one that you watched? I'm curious now. <laughs> okay, I, I will cut this part out, because I want that to be a surprise. Okay. <laughs> It was. <laughs> oh, gosh. oh my god! <laughs> From Lucky Star to to Showbiz, that was. Not the, <laughs> no one. There was no one to like tell me your neck would should, like, snap from that whiplash. Fuck. It was. <laughs> so thank you, Lilac, for uh, setting this up so that we can finally talk about this show. It actually was not my idea originally to begin with, so I can't take credit for that. I can thank you because, um, as I understand, both Andrew and you saw this in full for the first time in preparation for this podcast, right? That is correct. So previously, I had only seen the first four episodes, and then I actually did not get attached to it, and I put it off for a long time. Mm -hmm. So this is indeed my first time watching it completely. So, yeah. This is absolutely my first time watching it, because I really knew nothing about this, aside from the fact that I think it's a robot girl or something. And I had... I believe you guys at a convention, I don't remember which one it was, actually having to explain to me what she's on button was, and I was like, fuck you, <laughs> no way. Oh, no I, can't, way. I, mean, I can't remember which con that was either. I remember I remember being in the room, I think, when that conversation occurred and you flipped your shit. I was like, no fucking and By way. contrast, Hardy had seen the show before, right? That is correct. It has been years, though, and so I had to go back through it a second time just to pick up anything that I had missed. But uh, ah, but yeah, okay. it, I had actually had the ability to rent this on DVD from a rental store because nice. those were a things that used to exist. So, hey, it's was, still- it, was, it, was, it, was it your rental store that you would always talk about to us too? Or? Uh, no, this was, wasn't the Black Lodge. Um, okay. This was a place called Animax that specifically focused on anime merchandise and they had a rental uh, DVD rental system. Nice. God. Yes. God, I wish growing up Maine wasn't so freaking small and we had anime <laughs> rentals that weren't Dragon Ball Z. Speaking of country bumpkins, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you insult Hideki the country bumpkin because I understand. I would never <laughs> say that. She also thing grew about up with the cows. Hideki. I grew up with the cows. I've never tended the cows, though. <laughs> And now that we're uh, all settled in and have gotten the usual shenanigans out of the way, it's time to talk about the English dub of this. The usual shenanigans? Noah, it's us. It hasn't even started. I, I okay, The lead in shenanigans. Like, we'll get into, you know, all of the talks about salad tossing and tacos for Jesus after this. Oh, God. <laughs> the intro section starts up. Not in front of my salad, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, um, so uh, Chobits was um, dubbed by Bang Zoom uh, all the way back in the distant year of 2003. So um, get ready to get your retro gear on, folks, because this is one for the older crowd. And to start off, we're going to talk about the ADR director and the scriptwriter. The ADR director for Chobits was Eric P. Sherman. Um, that's a name that you've probably heard in uh, any of the mid-2000s Los Angeles dubs because um, he has quite a bit of a resume. Um, if you've seen Gungrave, if you've seen Heat Guy J, or even a recent episode we covered, Last Exile, then you have seen some of Eric's directing work before. 
Now, moving on to the script writing portion of it, we have two uh, script writers. Um, I could be wrong, but actually, when I was watching the credits for the show, I only saw one name pop up, but according to ANN, there's actually, uh, they, they both shared credits on this. <clears throat> the first one was Fred Kenimer. Uh, Fred uh, has a small but respectable list of writing credits, such as for Heat Guy J, Marmalade Boy, and tell me, is it pronounced Scryde or is it S-Cryde? Scryde. It is Scryde. Okay. I, call it, I call it Scryde. That's how I name it, but you know. I think, I, I think I it's Scryde. It, it's, I think it's, it's probably Scryde, and I'm probably wrong, but I always refer to it as Scryde. And some people call it Scryed, so that, those people are probably wrong also. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> anime days are dumb, okay? Not as not as weird as that one name that's going around. It's like AEX12. Oh yeah, oh. Elon Musk's son, I think. There you go. Oh my god, did he really? Oh my god, you yep. didn't hear about that? Oh, it's so I stupid. heard he had a kid. I didn't hear his, about the kid's name. It is. We'll a, tell you later. It's so okay. Dumb. Yeah. Okay. And also for um for writing portions, we also have Michael McConaughey. Not that McConaughey, but it's it's I believe it's pronounced McConaughey. If I'm pronouncing that mis- incorrectly, please tell me, Michael. Who has done uh, script writing on shows like the 2016 Berserk series, uh, some parts of Digimon Adventure, and uh, one show that Hardy holds very close proximity, Mars Daybreak. Oh yes, the uh, the rocket punch dolphin. That's the what? one. I, I only know of Mars Daybreak because of is it Poipiter? Is that how you Poipiter. pronounce it? Poipiter. And, and what here's... the fuck is a Mars Daybreak? <laughs> you, you remember Hardy's? And what is this about a dolphin? You remember Hardy's dolphin avatar? Oh, that's, 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 that's it. From... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. The, the dolphin in the robot suit. And here's the funny Got thing: it. Mike actually voices Poi Pointer too. Ooh. Yeah, that, I, I wasn't gonna bring that up, but yeah, he does. Yeah, bring it around that's full funny, circle. Actually. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, Michael's also uh, done quite a bit of voice acting, but um, also pretty prominent on the script writing side. And so, let me pass it on to the dolphin in the robot suit. Tell <laughs> us about this show and the direction and writing, Hardy. Well, you can definitely tell it is from the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a quite a few hits, quite a few misses. I think, in general, it's still a very listenable dub. Um, but you can tell that it's that's, there's certain parts that I think might have been either intentionally or unintentionally overacted, if that makes a sense. Hmm. I mean, for cert- for just from certain characters, or like every well, character I mean, gets an overacting line. In general, I think it's there's a sort of exuberance that permeates dubs from that era, and especially for comedy dubs such as this, and. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it works to its detriment. Um, I didn't have any problems with the writing, per se, because, well, there are parts that I had issues with, especially when she has to speak to, basically speaks to herself 90% of the time in the third person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be a bit grating at times. I don't know if that was in the original Japanese as well. It would make sense. And it does kind of make sense because she is a robot. But, yeah. Um, but it, it yeah. was... In the original sub, um, they okay. From what I understand, they didn't take too many liberties. So um, if that bugged you in the ja- in the English, then you can blame the Japanese for that. Blame the show itself. Uh, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. Other than that, um, I didn't really have any major problems with the uh, 
with the script. I think some of the the techno babble could get a bit confusing, but it's for a show of its nature, it's fitting. Um, <laughs> I really, other than a few performances, I really didn't notice anything glaring and uh, and obnoxious. So it's a solid effort all around for a 2002 dub. Yeah, I want to, glad you prefaced it by saying that's the time period it came out because there, I mean, for, for, I think for the time period it came out, it was head and shoulders above what we were used to. Outside and of the, so, right, yeah. yeah. Outside of the obvious fact that the dub might be a little bit aged, the show also shows a little bit of age by being the Jetsons' future, where basically mm-hmm. it is still the future, but it's a future where cathode tube TVs exist. Yes, where you plug your super high-tech your Android, your Android supercomputer into a cathode ray tube television using AV cables. And and with a camera, a, a video chat option included. Uh, yes, I love and that. And, and, and the whole part where where you can play video games on your DVD player. <laughs> oh, I call but, so much fucking bullshit. But you can't... But you can't talk to someone on the phone because they're using dial-up. Oh. Yep. Can you tell when this was written, people? It's, yep. it's, it's been a minute. Anyways, yeah. I just had to say that. Andrew, you were a babby when shit like this was going on. What do the fuck even, do you know? Do you even remember dial-up? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think he does. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not just talking about references on micro slides. I'm talking about, like, actually having to live it. There was a time period you could not talk on the phone and use the computer yeah. at the same time. I've got, not unless I, you had I, a I, cell got, phone. I got my butt kicked off the Internet so many times for that. Oh, and it yeah. wasn't even that long ago. It was, like, 15 years ago. Well, a little more than that. I it's been about 20. I feel like when I 20. actively started using the computer, I think that was possibly when dial-up stopped being, like, a thing. Ah, so it you, makes you hit sense, because I remember when I was, like, maybe seven, eight years old, I remember the oldest of old-school Mac Windows computers in our computer lab, and they were just, like, the base, most, like, <laughs> basic Two words. of shit. Two words. Floppy disks. I remember yes. floppy disk. I remember floppy disk. Those oh, did not man. go away for a while. It wasn't until those the first... Are, those stayed for a little while, yeah. It had a whopping 1.998 megabytes on it. Oh, oh my geez. god. So I am big. holding in my hand a... You're living in the future. I am holding in my hand a 32 gigabyte... Uh, god, what's this thing called? A cell phone? Thumb no, drive? it's... Thumb drive, thank you. I, I was welcome. blanking on the term. I was gonna I say was like, external hard drive. Guess. That's not it. Yeah, I'm holding a 32 gig thumb drive in my hand that is about the size of an eraser. Yep. I have a feeling I'm going to call you a boomer at some point tonight, Noah. (laughs) And we'll probably end up calling you a goddamn millennial, but you know. All right. Anyways. Because we're the old old folks. It's like, yeah, back in my day, we didn't have those convoluting thumb drives or your wee-fees. We had the good old dial-up. Okay. And we had to wait for an hour before we can get off the computer and use the phone again. The part of Lilac will be performed by Carol Channing for the remainder of this episode. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. What are we talking about right now? Dirty Carol, dirty. tell us about what you think of the dub. <laughs> and do it in song. In song, yes. Um, well, 
So, I mentioned this earlier, but there's a reason why I didn't get past episode four and the probably the many times I attempted to watch Chobits. Um, I never really got attached to the show, in all honesty. I will admit that right now. It took a very long time for me to even get into the show, and even then, it was just okay. Um, but in terms of the tub, oh man, I don't think this one has aged very well. I, I personally don't think it has. Um, not extremely, extremely well. Um, part of that is because of the writing, but that's more because of the terminology and the things that were used. Like, the old school tech and everything like that, but that's not the fault of the dub. That's the fault of the show itself. Um, and obviously, I would I think that kind of dated it a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, using dial-up and hooking up your M- your DVD player with yeah. VGA cables and That all was never a thing. Yeah, still. Um, you you want to know one, like, really old relic that kind of get... I, I don't think... Uh, it's more clear in the manga than it is in the anime. One okay. thing that we don't have anymore... We don't have screensavers anymore. That's you know true. that you know the thing that Sumomo does where she go, she's dancing when she's on standby mode. That's yeah. your screensaver. That's, that's supposed really what to be screensaver. Oh, that's, that's what that is. Basically, what that is. You're right. You um, see, kids, back in the day, we had these things called screensavers. I remember screensavers. They showed flying toasters. They showed these visuals and the 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 maze and the bouncing cube rainbow to try and, to and the you and, from and the flying and the flying words that say Windows ninety eight. <laughs> Look, I too have had the anxiety of trying to watch the screensaver thing hit the corner of the monitor. I've had that experience. <laughs> it happened in an episode apparently, of the Office. Apparently, you're not. Apparently, it. you're not that much of a baby. <laughs> oh shit. They um, don't have that anymore. But <laughs> but anyway, I I think some of the terminology did date the show itself, but that's more on the fault of the show and not necessarily the dub. Um there were unfortunately in terms of the dub, this is a early 2000s dub. This is an early 2000s dub. You're not going to get the most fantastic quality in my opinion. Um, there are some fun performances, don't get me wrong. There are some fun, fantastic performances mm-hmm. from people you would never expect. Um, Hideki. <laughs> um, but <laughs> there are some performances uh, that I felt were kind of stilted or stiff. Um, especially very much in the first half of the show. By the second half, like, some people were growing into it a bit more. Um, but... It's something that I had a hard time getting over for for a while. So, for what it is in the early two thousands for being a dub, it's it, I think it's fine. It is serviceable, but the content of the show itself doesn't help in terms of making it age gracefully. <laughs> um, and some of the performances I think were a little stilted to me for me to really like get attached to it. Even um, in the main cast. Uh, a little like so, bit. I can understand if it was like some of the more minor characters, but if it's the main cast, that's interesting. A little bit to an extent, not a lot. Um, m- probably my favorite performance. Oh, I will actually admit there were a few times for Hideki actually that I felt a little odd about it. I'm not gonna lie. And when we talk about Hideki, it's a surprise that I say that. It um, 
but I think the one, the only character that I think I was actually fine with consistently was actually Shinbo. Shinbo, I think, was the only one consistently I was okay with. Everybody else had, like, their ups and downs with the whole course of it. Granted, Hideki is a goddamn spaz. But, um... <laughs> That's... And it's also a bit... It's different than the Japanese, but we'll get to that when we get to that. No, yeah, but I personally, like... It's it's a serviceable dub. Your mileage is going to vary, but for me, it's just okay. Okay. Um, okay, so that's Grandma here. Uh, Millennial, <laughs> what do you think? my teeth? Um, this was a very surreal experience, because I kind of accepted the fact that, like, going into older dubs, I'm not expecting, like, crisp, clean quality, what I expect nowadays, but it's just like, you know what? It's kind of interesting going back to one of these projects from the early 2000s and getting to watch it with a two, 2020 vision, so to speak. Oh, Jesus Christ, why? <laughs> Anyways, it's just... I actually did enjoy a lot of the performances. Some of them... You can definitely tell some of these people were definitely a little greener back then than they mm-hmm. than they are now. But it was kind of interesting yeah. getting to hear some of that perspectives. And hearing at least one or two actors play characters, I really do not ever get to hear them uh, play, so to speak. But Hideki. 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 Like, I, I was trying to be subtle, but... If, we'll I already to, said it. Hideki. Well, it's Hideki. Uh, but yeah, uh, there's a couple of actors and actresses where it's like, I'm very familiar with their line of work, and it's just like, oh, hey, it's good to see you. You've been around probably, like, I think somebody brought up at least one or two of these actors have probably been in this business longer than I've been alive. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, accurate statement. Like, that's Actually, a surreal feeling, yeah. A good handful of these. Like, I'll, one character in particular um, is playing a high school student, was pushing 40 when they recorded this. Oh my god. Yeah. Crazy times, crazy times. Uh, but no, I, I enjoyed the cast of this. It was a very interesting ensemble, but outside of, like, one or two characters and performances i wasn't too bothered by anybody in the cast the script is pretty good it didn't feel like they took too many crazy liberties this felt like i feel like i've never seen the original but it felt like it would have been relatively close to the japanese even with some weird terminologies i think the only time i ever felt it got a little weird is when they're going into the storybook sections and they have to refer to it and Mm -hmm. this person and it's like, I, I get what they're trying to go for. They're trying to go for the bit of subtlety and ambiguity. But it, it's the only time I ever felt it was a little awkward delivery. Not not delivery. Uh, script-wise. But I think everybody sounds pretty good. The script is kind of interesting. I, I wasn't upset by the old terminology. I just thought it was really funny. But... <laughs> oh, I think it's funny too. But it, I, it just doesn't age it very well either. Oh, I think that's what makes it charming, though. I feel the rust is kind of what makes it unique. Fair. That's fair. I'm glad you feel that way, because the... I mean, I have the nostalgia goggles on this show that's killing all oxygen to my brain, so I can't view <laughs> the termino- I can't view the terminology as anything more than just a product of its time. Mm-hmm. It's not... They weren't trying to be futuristic. Um, like, uh, going backwards from when one character was born, like, their birth year is given to how old they are in the show. This show is supposed to take place in the early 2000s, which is when the manga was originally written. Okay, so it's basically... 
it's basically like that one episode of Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, where Mr. Jets is just like, we hail from the year 2002, and he looks at his calendar and it says 2004. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's basically exactly. what it feels like. Yep, so, yeah, so if that's a roadblock to anyone about the dated technology, just, again, view it as, well, this is what we thought of technology back in 2001. Also, before before I give you the mic, all I want to say is, look, we live in the future where game consoles are now also DVD (laughs) players, but you can't have a DVD player that is also a game console. Like, here's the thing. It's the full function is that it's a DVD player, and it's playing a fucking MMORPG. Game consoles have certain tech that is designated to play this shit. Like, GameCubes could play, like, MMORPGs like Fantasy Star. That's the infamous ASE 2 controller. That's a thing. But it's like, a a strict DVD player that also plays games would be simple as hell in the year 2000. I don't... No, Andrew. we need no. Andrew. We need to stop him before he goes on a tangent for another fifteen minutes because he I'm probably ki- will. I want you to know I'm done tangent. already. So continue. <laughs> I'm just going to kill your tangent with two words: Dragon's Lair. Moving on. So <laughs> <God>. this. <laughs> some people will get that reference. So I, I. Okay, so we have a bit of a split on the reception of this, and it's yeah. interesting that it's coming from you know three different perspectives on who saw the show when. Mm-hmm. Um. I want to say this right now. This show is incredibly sincere. The dialogue and especially the picture book sections of it are super sincere. It kind of clashes with our uh, 90s sensibility of the decade before with the the irony or the post-irony or isn't it ironic, don't you think, kind of mentality. Having Have a show like this where people are very vulnerable in their feelings of love, uh, their sentimentality towards things that they probably shouldn't be sentimental towards. That's the kind of dialogue that I think sounds uncomfortable in English. I mean, it probably sounded uncomfortable in Japanese too, but you're give, allowed to give it a little leeway just because, well, you're reading it, you're not exactly listening to it, so you kind of accept it like you would a book. When you hear dialogue like, uh, are you the one who is for me? Mm-hmm. Are you the one who is not for me? That just sounds super cheesy. And it could have absolutely destroyed this if they didn't play it 100% straight, which they do. I would give full credit. Even though there are flat performances, and we will talk about those characters and those voice actors, the sincerity in this shines through entirely. There is not one... There's one character that is designed to be sarcastic, but other than that, most of the dialogue is absolutely straightforward. And that's from both the script writing and the direction. So I hold it no ire, especially because this is head and shoulders above what most dubbing studios were doing in the time period. Like, we could compare this to just a couple of years before, we had another clamp anime. We had Magic Knight Ray Earth. That English dub was designed for a television broadcast and sounds absolutely archaic by today's standards. And then just a few years later, some of the same actresses would show up in this show and sound a thousand times better. So I want to commend the show for doing a lot right. And with that, I believe we have covered the direction of the script writing. Sounds about right. Let's move along. So, all right, let's boot up into the next level. Oh, sweet Um, lord. (laughs) We're going to have computer puns all night, aren't we? I'm not a script... I'm not a... I'm not a Java script writer, so someone else write wittier wittier jokes than me in the comments section. I'm gonna shove a cliffy in your fucking face at this rate. Oh. 
Uh, Don't bring that evil into my house, Bobby Boucher. We burned that. We burned that back in 2005. Oh, God. So. It's um, going to be a night. <laughs> I hope so. I really hope so. So, going into the cast here, we are going to break. We're basically going to break this cast down into characters who are paired with each other in the show. So, the first pair we're going to talk about are a baker and the pub owner's daughter. We are going to talk about Yumi, and we're going to talk about Ueda. Yumi is the daughter of the pub owner, where Hideki ends up working to pay for living, and uh, she basically acts as a potential suitor for Hideki throughout the first half of the show, but when we find out that she's got some baggage related to this character, Ueda, who is not only a baker, but also owns T-Roll, which is the bakery where Chi ends up working throughout the show, and near the end of the show, well, I won't, we'll get into it, I suppose, when we talk about it, but uh, basically, Ueda has a history with Persicoms that would probably be a little taboo in today's society. I mean, let's be honest, it was taboo in the show itself, but, you know, we're here for the long haul, we're going to talk about human-computer relationships. Isn't dub talk fun? You know what else is also taboo? What? Romantic relationships with a high schooler. Yeah, that, that, they kind of sweep that under the rug. They sweep that hard. Yeah, they did. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm watching this like, wait, this guy is older, he's been married, he owns a business, and he's hitting on a high school s- freshman? I don't know. Okay, I, 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 I don't think she's wing- a freshman. It's I'm at not. least no, no, willing to wager. At the time period. When they first met. I, I don't know how old she was at. Okay, when they okay. first met, I can see it. But anyways. Yeah, there's. you're not wrong. That's kind of taboo. Um, what's not taboo is, cacting, is casting cacting. legendary, cacting legendary uh, performers for these. So in the English dub, uh, Yumi is voiced by Julie Madalena. Um, that is a character. That is a that's a character. Julie has been around for quite a while. Um, if you've seen Love Hina, you've heard her as Sarah. If you've seen the Blackjack OVA, she plays Pinnaco. And if you've seen Magic Knight Ray Earth, you have heard her as Hikaru, the lead uh, fire wielding member of the team, which is to me is her most iconic performance. And Ueda is voiced by a name that you may have heard if you've watched a handful of. Uh, dubs from Los Angeles from this time period is voiced by David Lucas. Uh, David Lucas uh, has been in a couple of things that you may have heard of. He was Char Asnable in the Mobile Suit Gundam movie. Uh, he was uh, Great Teacher Onizuka in Great Teacher Onizuka. Um, and he also happened to voice uh, a little upstart character named Spike Spiegel in this independent production called Cowboy Bebop. So just one or two oh, things you may have heard shit. of him before. Bang. You guys see that um, that uh, real folk blues video? Oh, yes. Let us <laughs> gush about that. That was so cool. We we got so we. There's a lot to gut to talk about tonight. I'm just gonna say that was amazing. And that man looks amazing for 60. Holy shit! That he does. I, I wish I looked that good at 60. I, I wish I looked that good now. You don't look that good now. I, I don't know. I can't grow a beard! Stop picking on me, you bearded <laughs> bastard! <laughs> you you facial-furred motherfucker! It is not fair that you got the good genes in that department. No, I will not let this man off the hook. 
I got bored. Okay. I got bored one day, and I decided to go for a goatee. Speaking of a goat, Hardy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Transition. I am in this episode, aren't I? So, um, so you, you've uh, you've heard Julie and David and stuff before. How'd they do in this show? Well, uh, David doesn't really have as many lines, um, and he kind of sh- sort of shows up near the second half, really. Um, but he. It's hard to, if he doesn't have one heck of a story arc, boy howdy! Hell and, yeah, yeah, and um, this is kind of because I've heard this actor in a lot of different roles, a lot of really iconic roles, and it's very rare that you hear him speak as at this pitch, like because he's always yeah. been known for like this, you know. Uh, really laid back, deep voice, and now he's talking like this, and it's sort of off-putting. And I don't um, know. you think it's off-putting? Oh, well, I mean, if you're more fa- if you've been familiar with this this actor's roles previously, then <laughs> this is completely different from what you're usually used to. It is, yes. I mean, I, yeah. I call it um, refreshingly different to hear him in a different mm-hmm. kind of role. Yeah. But I mean he's one of the few characters who doesn't get spastic and over the or or lose his mind like Hideki and Shibo do. Um but uh it's just he, he's just sort of there if I have to say it. Um but it, it works. Julie Madalena I am not as familiar with. I haven't watched as many shows that she's been in. Uh this is probably the one role because I didn't watch Ray Earth uh, that I would most quickly assume assigned to her if I hear her name. Mm -hmm. This is the one I'm most familiar with. Um, And not being not having much experience with other shows that she's been in I'd have to say it's fine. Um, Yumi is kind of a little troll but then she also has her very emotional moments as well. And I think she's able to play them pretty well. It's it's one of the more... How do I put this? It's not one of the more... I wouldn't say one of the more standout performances. It's one of the most... Consistent? Yes. Yes, most consistent. Okay. Oh, okay. Throughout the entire production. So I mean, It kind of it helps that she maintains that consistency because she, for some reason she kind of disappears off the show near the middle of it and doesn't pop back up until the final couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. So she didn't really have uh, like as much dialogue to uh, you know, break that consistency near the middle. Right, yeah. But she'll, she's the first to let you know that she's a D-cup. So. <laughs> okay, I Fun am literally... Fun fact about that. <laughs> Fun fact about that. So, you watch it in dub, and she says flat out, Hey, you're staring at my chest. Oh, by the way, I'm a D-cup. You were staring at them. I thought you'd like to know. In the Japanese, oh, no. she says they're E-cups, because the Japanese has a different cup size system compared to the Americans, but they felt the need to specify You them. would know. You would have. You would Because I've watched that. it in sub. Like, if you turn on the subtitles, it the, they say E-cup at the bottom of the screen. Kind of sounds like you're comparing apples to oranges here. Boo. Or should I say melons to grapefruits? You know what, Andrew? I would like to hear about your melons, actually. (laughs) What's your reaction to uh, Julie and David? Uh, So, I will say, I really don't think I've ever actually heard 
a consistent role for like Julie Madalena before this, but I actually thought she was a really great performance in this dub. I actually thought she was a ton of fun. Her character is very fun. She's very cute. Uh, she's, she is a nice troll and is pretty interesting. Yeah. I could tell she had some sort of Persicom related story arc coming from the beginning. I just wasn't quite sure how it was going to be a thing in the end. And it's like, oh, okay, that's where we're going. But no, it's, I thought Julie yeah. was a ton of fun. I think she's very quirky <laughs> and cute. Sometimes a little bit sexy, even, especially when it comes to Hideki's weird, uh, wet dreams. But no, uh, I thought Julie was great. Uh, David. He's... I don't get to hear too much of him, but he's very soft-spoken. Kind of. He, it's a very, like, it's a very quiet performance from this particular actor who I am literally trying my damnedest not to break the alias for the sake of this episode. But be a good boy and you'll get chocolate at the end of this. Okay, chocolate's good. We're gonna respect the alias and credit them by the alias. Thank you. Okay, we, we will. Res- we will respect. I will say the rules. they do a pretty good job with being a kind of quiet, soft-spoken guy. Like he, the manager is a seemingly all right dude. He's a chill dude. He's a little weird. He's a little weird, and by a little weird, I mean you could probably teach an entire ethics lesson on him alone. <laughs> I mean, where is the ethical corruption of saying, you know what? I'm really into my MacBook Pro. I'm going to put a ring on it. Here, Here's the thing that I think surprises me a little bit about this show. He does not seem like he would be the first guy to marry his Persicom. Oh, heck no. I don't buy that he was the first. I maybe buy that he was the first one to be so sincere about the romance and the ceremony. Like, but but considering that we live in a world where grown men try to de- to marry their body pillows, and their their waifus, like like this is not. I don't even think in the early two thousands this was that new of a concept. No, I mean, like it, then you should have put a ring on it, and he did. So here's the thing: I think it ultimately comes down to the fact that, like, yes, there is a little more of a romantic affection there going on, that he genuinely did feel a connection with her. I'll say this. I thought it was a little weird, but I actually did think the relationship with his robot wife was actually pretty cute, and I sure as shit was not expecting the dementia allegory that was losing her mind. The the heartbreaking part of that was not even, like, the voice acting. It was when he booted her back up, you can hear her memory just crying because it's spinning so fast it's starting to break down. That was very sad to listen to. That was actually hard to watch. I was like, oh, oh, this is straight up dementia allegory for the cute robot wife oh man this is making me feel things and and this is what happens when you go bargain bin hunting people i'll say this i think it's pretty cute i think david does a very good job i think it's very interesting i think his arc is kind of weird and i think they maybe play it a little too clean just on the grounds that you are in love with a robot woman and also with a high school girl who also happens to be named Yumi. What the fuck are the odds of that? Um, and 
I think he's an all right. I think he, he's not. He didn't impress me, but I think he does. A, he does a good job. He does a good job. Good deal. Um, so, with that being said, um, Lilac, what you said? Oh, where do I even start? Um, <laughs> so I actually think this is the first time I've ever heard Julie Mandalena in anything. Um, as a good amount of these performances are to me are kind of rough and can be stiff at times. Um, Julie, I think at first ended up as one of those performances. Um, Yumi to me just seemed kind of stilted at points. Um, and maybe a little bit over exaggerating some moments or lines later on. It eventually like got its footing in, um, and did portray her character as this youthful energy, um, this sweet girl, but it was very, <laughs> unfortunately to me though, it was kind of rough through a good chunk of it. And it was only until the, the last, like maybe third or so where it kind of really hit a bit more. Um, and then as for David Lucas, it's funny that the topic of dementias come up. Mm -hmm. And that dementia is a thing, because I th I know I know the three of you know about this already, um, and I think the last time I even talked about it on a podcast, I know I think Andrew and Noah were there because it was Violet Evergarden. Oh oh yeah yeah. <clears throat> so um, for those of you who don't know who are new here, um, my grandfather actually has dementia. And he's, it, it's, he's had it, he was diagnosed with it a few years ago. And then last summer, unfortunately, he kept getting hospitalized to the point where um, eventually the doctors wouldn't let him go home. So they put him in a veteran's home in a dementia ward. So seeing this story and this backstory of um, Ueda and his um, Persicom wife just... Weirdly enough, like, just somehow hit harder than I anticipated. I mean, I didn't flat out cry, but, like, I could relate to that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And how David was, be able, was able to portray that, I think, was very well done. Um, and I didn't think I was going to relate to Persicom Dementia. <laughs> In, a, in an anime, all this like robotic dementia, but like that's not, that's not really what you peg the show for when you start out, is it? No, 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 not not even. And considering this was in like the back half of the show, or the la I think like the last third, it, it was, pretty much. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like yeah, it's like half. No, it's like uh, the, at the one third mark in the show is when things started to get serious, and then yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. the, the second third of it. in the last third, like the the last third of it. It was just like, this is not expected. And for a character who is just like, oh, I'm just a bakery owner. It, I'm a bakery owner. I'm a nice guy. He or she, here's your job. Have your pay for the day. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I was married to my Persicom once. It was, it was pretty rough. I had a hard time attaching myself to some of these characters. Um... But David Lucas, like, good on you, being able to portray a man who's dealing with, who has a loved one with dementia, basically with dementia. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. good on you for making that very relatable, considering, <laughs> personally, the situation I'm in right now. 
By the way, when we're talking about David Lucas in this situation, pseudonyms or aliases are a thing. We are going to be respectful of that and call and do the voice, get, talk about the person as credited. So before y'all go in the comments and like, that's not his name. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> no, yes. Like, shut up. You're all very good. Snoop. That's his name right now. So shush. Yeah, there's a reason for this, guys. Like, if you be respectful to the actors, you're good sleuths mm -hmm. and detectives, but be respectful, please. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're just giving the, res the correct credit for the for the actors yeah but we we all know who this is let's face it we all know who this is but his name is david today <laughs> today yes today his name is david right. <laughs> it's interesting you guys uh were like talking about uh julie being uh consistent throughout because she kind of has a dichotomous uh task to play because she's got to be like super perky and super happy and super well it'd be a real shame if my breasts were cold and hard near the first half of the show <laughs> God I love that it. line. <laughs> but then near the second half, she, she has to have the very uh, believable breakdown about uh, it's essentially an inferiority complex, you know, being Persicoms are perfect. Persicoms are better than people. And with that, I'd like to break out this guitar and play the song. <clears throat> Robots are better than people. What the fuck? The end. That's it? <laughs> you haven't seen Frozen? No. Oh, th th there's a song called Reindeer Are Better Than People. Oh, okay. Cool. When you're the only person in this call to have seen the Disney movie, Noah, I think you fucked up. That is pretty bad. But what I was going to say is that Julie's uh, kind of... I, I don't quite buy the, the more uh, emotional breakdown portions near the end. Uh, like, not as much as the, the chipper, happier portions of it near the first part of it. But it's it's still, it hits, like you were saying, it hits the parts where it has to, especially at that part of the show. Because that's right before the big climax of the show's finale. And I don't have anything else to add about David, because you guys pretty much hit all the nails on the head with that one. Uh, I, I'm surprised that we actually haven't heard him do more soft voices like this. I, kind of, I, I know he has range, we just, uh, we mostly hear him in the badass voices. So it's, it's nice to hear him in something a little softer in this. Um, but that, that covers one portion of the show's um, conflicts. Um, let's move on to another one of those conflicts, because we're about to talk about even more computers and uh, even more wives, too. We're just going to have one wife in each category here, actually. Oh, Lord almighty. But uh, no, no, it's okay. This one's a human wife, so it's okay. Still, Lord almighty, anyway. <laughs> uh, so um, the, uh, the next group we're going to talk about uh, is one landlady, one computer hacker, and one Sundere Persicom. This will be fun. So, we're going to talk about Chitose Hibia. So, Hideki, the main character of Hideki, lives in an apartment because when you're broke and in prep school, that's all you can afford. And um, she's basically the um, perky, upbeat, always sweeping with a broom. Uh, manager of the apartment, way nicer than any landlord I have ever seen before. I think it's, she may be putting on an act. It's maybe, maybe <laughs> we'll see. We also have Yoshiyuki Kojima, aka Dragonfly, is this uh, creepy 4chan stalking badass <laughs> who basically kidnaps Chi near the end of the show. And um, the only reason we're, well, one of the reasons we're talking about him is because he is our segue into talking about Kotoko. 
Uh, Persicoms in this world are, a lot of them are human-sized, but a couple of them are, like, supposed to be, like, desktop computers in that they're smaller, they're mobile, they're kind of like what we have for cell phones nowadays. Kotoko is one of those. She's this uh, pigtailed, bells-and-hair-wearing Sundere Persicom that belongs to Dragonfly and kind of gets adopted into the main cast after the events of that kidnapping happen. They literally steal her away from him. Oh, no, no. He gave them permission. Okay. <laughs> he quote-unquote gave permission. In, in, in word only. After he so, decky beat his nerd ass. As he deserved. Mm-hmm. So He did deserve it. Um, Chitose is voiced by Ellen Wilkinson, um, who has been around a long, long time in the voice acting circuit. And how long? Um, well, uh, you've heard her in uh, Haruhi Suzumiya as Asakura. Uh, you've heard her in Please Twins as Mizuho. And bring it right back around to Magic Knight Ray Earth. She's another one of the Magic Knights. She is actually Fu, the green-haired, wind-wielding members of the Magic Knights in that show. Um, let's see. Kojima is voiced by Terrence Stone. Um, he is uh, been in quite... You know, I picked a couple of random shows. Some of them just happen to be clamp adaptations by complete chance. He, he was uh, Kakio in X, a show that I own but haven't seen yet. He was Mayuri in Bleach, and he plays... For Wait. some reason... Go ahead. That's Mayuri? <laughs> yep, Mayuri Kurosuchi? Kurosuchi. Oh my god, he, he is a fucking creepy scientist guy. Fuck. That's... God damn it. Please tell me you actually that's actually his role in that in Bleach, and you're not yes! making it up. Okay. I'm not right. making it up. That's exactly what he is. That character sucks. It is amazing that he is a good guy. <laughs> He's actually it, okay to bring it around to one good character. He plays the the kind of one of the male leads, Ferio in Magic Knight Ray Earth, who is like the only good male character in that show, and also has a big crush on Fu. You can tell because they're color coordinated. And but uh, the the one other character we're talking about as Kotoko is played by none other than Kay Jensen. And what have you heard Kay Jensen in before? I mean, you've heard that voice in the very popular show A Little Snow Fairy Sugar as Cinnamon. I actually have not seen that show yet. Um, she plays um, Shinomi in Mao-chan, and she plays Chiaka in Ayori Ayoshi. I have not seen any of the shows that I just listed. Okay. <laughs> Hardy, have you seen any of these shows? Uh, no, actually. Well, have you seen Chobits? I have seen Chobits. Well, oh, perfect. Oh, cool. Tell- I like Chobits, too. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about yeah. them. Yeah, okay. Starting off with uh, Hebia. Or am I saying that right? Yeah, it's Hebia. Hebia, yes. Uh, the one thing I, I will say that... Um, the, the yep. English dub does get most of the Japanese pronunciations correct. Except for with Hideki, where sometimes you'll, you'll hear us Hideki slip in. But, it, right. but anyways. Um, yeah, starting off with Hibia, I've heard this actress uh, in other shows before, and I'm sort of hit or miss with her, because she's always sounds like she's breathless, and that's just a natural part of her voice. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think in the particular case of Miss Hebia, I think it does work. Um, and 
you don't really notice the breathiness of this actress as much in this role. Uh, and she makes her sound very, very sweet, very genuine, very maternal. And, uh, and I, I think she does a fine job. With uh, Terrence Stone, he's not really in the show all that much. And so I can't really make a connection with him. I didn't have any problems with the performance. But then again, as I was watching through, I wasn't paying full attention. And mm-hmm. so I, if there were any noticeable uh, noticeable um, flaws, I didn't pick up on them. Now, I have to, in that regards, um, did any time that the show dipped into techno babble, did that tend to make you start uh, paying attention less? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. And that, this is a character yeah. who is because, all about Because this was my rewatch, I sort of, I was doing a lot of uh, work on my computer as it was playing in the background. Mm-hmm. And so I picked up on most things, but there could have been some problems that that slipped past me that I didn't notice. As far as Terrence Stone goes, I didn't notice anything. Um. And now let's talk about Kotoko, that little bitch. <laughs> hey, Kotoko is a good, sweet, honest girl. She is a good, sweet... Honest. Yes. I didn't say... Yeah, she there's is, nothing wrong with being honest. She's honest, but she's blunt as hell, and she'll let you know about it. Especially with the other pocket-sized Persicom, which she <laughs> thinks is completely stupid and useless, and they don't get along at all. But uh, I think that's part of the... Ch- yeah, I yeah. Love, I love their dynamicism. I, I wish the whole show was just that. Yeah, the, the show, whole did, show, the whole show che- needed to be cheap bits. <laughs> I am legitimately surprised that did not get turned into like some kind of spinoff. Like, beyond just the five-minute OVA we got. Right. But anyways, no. I think uh, Kay plays Kodoko very well. She gets her snarkiness. She gets her, you know, bluntness down. And, uh, and I think it's just adorable. Uh, regardless of whether you like Kodoko as a character, because she is so blunt, um, yeah, I think Kay did a really good job. Just I'm, I'm going to take the microphone on this one because... I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Andrew? I was just going to say, she's not bad, she's just programmed that way. The characters don't... like. It, the show makes great pains to express that most of the Persicoms don't have AI, so they're just responding to their programming. That being said, if this is what their owners wanted them to act like, these owners have some messed up personal issues. Oh, 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 very much so. Yeah, yeah, the, the group who wrote this show were very optimistic about what society would do with technology in the future. Uh, speaking of that future, though, let, let's talk about Terrence Stone at first, because I want to get those notes out of the way first. I think he's probably the weakest performer in the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is, it's not just because he's not in the show as much as some of your characters. Like, he shows up in episode 18. Actually, no. He first premieres as one of the characters in the MMO episode, which you can totally skip, because there's that's one of the three episodes that you don't need to watch for any plot-related reasons. But he actually shows up. He's really dry, and he's really flat. I mean, I get that they're trying to have him play a kind of a mysterious character without making him sound <laughs> so evil. I love stripping down my Persicoms for evil. No, they, they want to give him a flatter, drier, mysterious voice. And 
it it's just not as engaging as I think it should be. So that's that's the weakest side I have to say with it. Maybe it was just because that's how it was written in the Japanese, but it's kind of a shame that we couldn't have got something a, a little more sinister out of it than we did. On the flip side, though, the complete opposite of sinister, while still being mysterious, Ellen is really good in this. Um, there's uh, there's this light, delicate nature to her that hides her actual backstory, which you know we might as well spoil right here. Um, she was actually a computer genius. She is a computer genius and is actually one of the people who has a connection with Chi from be- from her before time, from before Hideki found her. There is a lot of parts in the show where I think uh, Ellen had to uh, kind of convey her natural sweetness, like you were saying, Hardy, while still kind of hiding the fact that she knows secrets. And Ellen did that really well without sounding um, too melodramatic, especially in some of the final episodes where... Uh, she's basically explaining the mystery to us, which we'll get to as we get later on down the road. Um, and I don't have any other qualms to say. I don't have anything bad to say about Kay Jensen. Like I pretty much fully agree with what Hardy said. God, she is so cute. Yes, I would take the Sundari Persicom if given the option. I have issues. Fight me. <laughs> Lilac, do you have issues? Who doesn't? <laughs> Um, oh, okay. oh, you mean issues with the dub, not personal. Okay. No, 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 well, maybe we can talk about the personal issues later. I, I do charge by the hour for therapy. Good, I need therapy. I deal with, I deal with, I deal with this goober over here every day, so. I need, oh. I need therapy for that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you want Andrew therapy? That's gonna cost you extra. Ah, uh, damn it. <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. Um... <laughs> Oh boy. Um so I'm going to say this for Hebia and Kotoko. Uh aliases aliases are a thing that exist. Uh going to do my best here. Um so with Kotoko snarky, sassy and Sundere is an accurate description. Um but Kotoko isn't really there a ton compared to everybody else, so it's really hard to... Kotoko and um, Kojima aren't exactly there. Kotoko has more to do than Kojima. Kojima has almost, like, nothing to do in this show, Mm -hmm. aside from being an asshole. Um, (laughs) That's his job, being an asshole. Um, Being an asshole and possibly a slight pervert. I guess. Oh, no. I mean, considering, like, again, cons- we, we talked about this earlier, but considering how sexualized the, the, the purse comms are, I'm surprised there yeah. are more perverted characters in this show. There's there's this guy, and then there's the, the peep show manager, and that's pretty much it. Oh, the peep show manager. Ooh, let's not get started on that one. Yeah. Um, no, but Kojo has, like, 20 custom purse comms. And it's like, uh, are you okay, bud? <laughs> I, I, I can, I guess I can understand, like, Minoru having, like, five per, five custom persicoms and they're dressed as maids. Sure, he's a little, he's a young, like, boy genius, but, like, they're not too crazy with it. This man has 20 goddamn persicoms stuffed in a room in the dark. <laughs> no, but I think this, oh, God. I think out of all the performances in the entire dub itself, 
this is the roughest one. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I was saying that about Julie Mandelena and Yumi, but, oh, sweet baby Jesus. (laughs) Listening to Terrence be a slimy, creepy guy was still very rough yeah. to me. Like you would think, and it didn't get any better. <laughs> like you would kind of think that like, maybe he'd have some fun, uh, like playing up the slimy aspects of it. But yeah, I, I, I don't even think playing it up would have saved it. No, I'm not gonna lie. I don't think so. All right. Playing it up, I don't think would have saved it. All right. I mean, that I just, I just think it wasn't that great overall. Um, and then. For Kotoko and Miss Kay Jensen, <coughs> alias <coughs> again, um, before people go mad again, um, <laughs> little little Sundere, little Sundere, Persicum Kay Jensen. She is she was she was adorable and snarky, and oh, she's yeah. just not taking any of um, <laughs> not any of um. Crap, who is it? Sumomo's shit. (laughs) She's not taking any of Sumomo's shit. Like, oop, I just hit my mic with my notebook. Great. She's not taking any Sumomo's shit. Like, after, after, um, she gets, like, unceremoniously adopted by fucking Hideki. Like, every single, like, the wakey wakey exercises, she's looking like, what kind of bullshit is this? (laughs) Which is weird. What? It's weird because with growing up with growing up with uh, Kojima, you would think that she'd be she'd already be used to you know weird purse com owners, but this is what tips into her. This is weird scale. It's not even a purse com owner; it's just a purse com in general. And because Sumomo's not even Hideki's to begin with, like it's it's just kind of funny like that. But she's not taking shit from anyone. Just like this is weird. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's tropey. It's kind of adorable. It's adorable. It's tropey, but you're right. Dang it, it's adorable. I, I would have perfectly loved a, a full spin-off show, like or a web show that was just those two getting into wacky situations. Oh my god! Admittedly, I would probably watch that too, because <laughs> it does sound like a lot of fun. I just, I just thought of something. Okay, you've seen Panty and Stocking, right? <laughs> Of course I have. So imagine that kind of, uh, you know, like... Uh, that kind of premise, maybe? Yeah, that maybe? genre-hopping premise. Not that filthy, exactly, but, like, they're basically the same characters. Like, you know, Sumomo oh is, per- is peppy and perky, like, panty. And Kotoko is all gloomy sundere, like, stocking. Like stocking. I see it. I go. see it. I see where you're going with it. I, yes. And then joining them on some hijinks. Absolutely. I, I don't know. Oh, boy. Wait, would that, would that make Hideki brief? No, 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 no. I don't. No, he, nah. no, he would be. Um, I don't see it, and I don't see him as um Garterbelt oh, either. Heck. He's definitely not Garterbelt. Oh, who would be? I, you know what? We'll, we'll we'll decide this later. No, no, I got it. I got it. Minoru would be Garterbelt. <laughs> oh my god! Just, I was about to say um, Shinbo was Garterbelt, but you know. No, no. Just take Garterbelt's body, but put uh. Um, Minoru's head on top. Oh god, my brain is imagining this. It's not turning out very well. Have Have you seen um uh, how heavy are the dumbbells you lift? No. Oh okay. All right, people who've seen it will know uh, the 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 mental image of. I do. I do know. I do know about um. Frig, who plays him? It's uh Stephen Fu, right? Yeah, Stephen Fu. Yeah. Yeah, I do know that. Head with with. (laughs) 
massive With body. muscly body. Yeah. God. Oh, shit. Andrew, Andrew keeps trying to get me to watch it. <laughs> so bad. Anyway. No, um, Kay Jensen as Kotoko is, is very adorable, very precious. Um, it do, I, I will admit it does take a minute to kind of adjust, but, like, still, it was very energetic, very tsundere. Um, and then Ellen Wilkinson as Hibia. See, what's interesting to me with this performance is... Because I know... Everybody's used to Ellen for a variety of different roles. Have you ever heard of a little show called Serial Experiments Lane? Oh, God. Okay, God damn it. She's in that. And not that she's she in that. She is Lane. She is Lane. I forgot about She that. is Lane. <coughs> Alias again. <coughs> yes, okay. yes. Sorry, I have to do that before people get mad again. Um, that is no, so different, like, though. That is... it's, it's very different. And, like... Again, it took me it took me a minute to kind of like understand and see where this character was going um, because my brain defaulted to Lane, and even though I still haven't finished the show, I've I've only gotten like ha- I've always only gotten halfway. I only get halfway through, and then I stop for some reason, and I need to fix this problem. And you know, I, I, maybe I think I, maybe after this, I'll go back to it today. I don't know. No, no, no I, I think I did um, the same thing because I, I bought the uh, the Genion singles when they were like dirt cheap, mm-hmm. and I, I also got like yeah. halfway through it because at the halfway point is where it becomes really hard to kind of tell where the show is going. So yeah, that's the thing. It gets a little bit difficult. Like um, I have a, I have the Blu-ray set though, not the not the special limited edition one that. No, the art book. Photobush did. No, I don't have that one. I wish I had. I was able to get that one. God, I would have loved to. I just didn't have the money at the time. I have I the did. standard one though. I didn't um, either. I have this. I have the anime classics one. Um, but anyway, no. So trying my to get my brain to go from Lane to Hebia, it took a solid. Well, I mean, 13, 14 episodes mm-hmm. <laughs> for me to get into it. But, like, I did also get where it was going because Hebia is just this sweet, sweet person. And she's just so kind and she's so helpful. And so having someone as soft-spoken as Ellen actually, I think, worked to its benefit. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the, the fun stuff that we learn about Hebia, and I get Lane vibes all over again. You call the stuff that she goes through fun? Look here. She has this huge computer fucking network in her yep. basement. Yep, she does. All right. She's going full Lane on she, this again. She's going into the Wired. She's getting into She's going deep. back to the Wired. She's going back into the Wired. Be careful. Be careful, Lane. Uh, be careful, Hebia. <laughs> Would you say that, um, so this show takes place in the present day at the present, present time? time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, <clears throat> to be fair, though, Lane was 98? Yep. A couple years. Because you ago. said Chobits was, what, 2000 and... 2002, I believe. Yeah. The... So that's at, that's at least... Four or five years in between. I mean, there's a yeah, we got for shows themselves. But granted, maybe the doves were like, well, the doves might have taken the same amount of time. I think it's possible. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I could even compare the quality of Chobitz's dubs to Lane's dub, but yeah, I think they were dubbed around the same time. Well, eh, 
Not necessarily. I mean, I can see Lane maybe getting dubbed, like, right at early 2000s. You think so? And then maybe? Because, again, Lane is 1998. Well, I don't remember it ever being available as a VHS tape is the thing. Like, something like that that was... Um, oh, that's true. Yeah, because if they had dubbed it and, you know, they wouldn't have televised it. There, there is no way that Lane was ever getting televised in America. It would have been made strictly for home video release. You know what? I would I would love to see Lane get televised now and see how people react yes, to it. Yes, Adult Swim. Make that happen. You know what? I mean, Toonami brought back Paranoia Agent. Thank the fucking lord. So let's get some more weird shit. Let's go. Let's go full weird. <laughs> bring back. Bring Lane to the mix. Come on. <laughs> there is a little. When 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 Paranoia Agent's done in July, replace it with Lane. We got a winner here. And don't tell anyone. Like like don't give him heads up. Just like the mystery show will be getting on this date. And then you'll have... See, I wish that would be how they could approach it. But you but you realize, like, fans of Toonami will be freaking the fuck out and bugging the shit out of them. Okay, so what you do then is you, you, like, you leave them a bunch of cryptic clues for them to figure it out. So that only people who are, like, super familiar with Lane would actually be able to figure it out. You're also assuming that the Toonami fan base knows exactly what Lane is. <laughs> I gotta admit, I, I, <laughs> that's a horrible assumption. I'm not in the, that fandom. Like, you know, I don't watch it because I don't have cable. So you're right. I, I don't know if they would be the, the typical Dragon Ball Super and Food Wars kind of watching crowd. Which... I was about to say, like, since considering Toonami is basically the Shonen block. Is Black Clover airing on there? The light Black Clover's still going on there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting way off track here. We're getting way off track here. Tanami put Lane on to replace <laughs> Paranoid Asian in July. That would be fucking fantastic, and it'll give me the perfect excuse to finally watch Lane in its entirety. Okay, anyway. God, Ellen. <laughs> God, big sidetrack for like a solid five minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway. In, in summary. <laughs> um... In summary, I wasn't a fan of Kojima. I'm sorry. It was very, very rough. Uh, I did like Kotoko. She was cute little, little sundere. And um, one of the few performances I was actually able to get from like the get-go when she came in. Mm-hmm. And then Hibia, it took a minute, like everything else it, for me, it took a minute to kind of get into it. But once I understood... Hebe's character, um, I was able to get a bit more invested into it, and I think she, like I not only got a bit more invested into it, but she definitely grew into the role a lot more um, by the oh. end of it. So yeah, Andrew, similar thoughts. Uh, I'll say this: I don't think Tara Stone is very good. Oh, how L- harsh! You're like, not beating her on the bush. I'm not being around the bush. I don't think he's very good as this character. I think the character is kind of... Uh, this character is totally somebody I would believe would exist in the future. Because he's just an asshole on the forums who's trying to be a dickhead and tries to be holier than thou. And he just he just has a shit ton of money, spends it on like 20 plus Persicoms. <laughs> I totally buy that he would buy somebody's expensive looking computer and add it to his collection. He's that kind of shitlord. And also, I feel Terrence, Terrence needed to sound much more like a shitlord to make him more convincing to me. Um, I will say that Kotoko is adorable. I think Kotoko is a adorable little Sundari queen. And also, I will say, in a world where living computer girls exist, the portable mobile units seem much more, like, useful 
mm-hmm. in the long term, the only reason, like, I guess you would get a bigger model is because, oh, it has more storage. It's like, I can, I can hide a little tiny robot person in, like, my backpack and it'll be fine and it's portable and it takes less room and it's also a phone. Anyways, what I'm saying is... Chi models are overrated. Kotoko and Sumomo models are where it's at. Um, I, Car- I, would ar- I would argue that the, the downside would be a lack of a monitor, but no, they have they come with their own monitors, too. You plug too. them into your cathode tubes, and you just <laughs> do that. The future's weird. Anyways, uh, Kotoko is adorable, and I think she's really funny, and she really bounces off well with Sumomo. Uh, they have a nice, good little love-hate relationship and it's adorable and it's great and her delivery is amazing uh my loophole with uh alien alien is that i can mention other roles they've done i listened to uh the landlady and i think of iris feel from fate zero because it's almost the exact same tone of voice Mm. and i think they're very similar characters in their delivery and dynamic and I actually think she does a pretty good j- job sounding like this very kind of sweet, darling old landlady. And then you find out a little more about her. It's like, holy shit, you've got some lore shit going on. Especially when it comes to the fact that you are a supercomputer genius. And the fact that this little shithole of an apartment complex has crazier internet than most buildings. And, like, that makes sense. And she's got a nice futuristic task. That's weird shit. Also, her husband basically has Chi as, like, a daughter. And then her other Chi daughter fell in love with her husband and died of a broken heart. And, like, holy shit, there's a lot of dubious what-the-fuckery. And, man, the the last episodes were kind of weird. This show confuses me so much. (laughs) Okay. That was weird. She's a very nice landlady, and she's also a really good illustrator as well. Yes. yes. I like I like the picture books. They're very cute. Uh, yeah. I like the little rabbit. Um, but, no, I, I think that she does a very good job. She's very airheaded. She's very sweet. But also, when she gets very serious and stern, it's like, I can believe you're very serious and stern, too. I think she does a pretty good job. The uh, thing I forgot to mention was that um, Chobits is canonical to another Clamp series called Angelic Layer. Uh, that was a show which also featured humanoid robots, but they were doll-sized, a lot less sophisticated, and more just for casual entertainment than the humanoid companions we got from this show. The reason I bring that up is because Hibia's husband was actually a central character in that show. Uh, Hardy, you- you're familiar-ish with Angelic Layer, aren't you? Yeah. So, you, you, when I say Wiggly Ichan, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Exactly. What? Okay, so Hibia's husband in Angelic Lair, um, who, who died preceding Chobits, which is why we never see him, you know, he created Chi and Freya um, in the Angelic Lair series. He's basically a, a huge goofball in Angelic Lair. You don't see him as a serious scientist. You see him as an annoying hobo who you're just trying to get rid of. An I'm going to be honest. hobo is a description I didn't that think I would That is a description. <laughs> but okay. I'll you say can, this. I, I can believe the guy is a little bit of a weirdo on the grounds. You have to be a little bit of a weirdo to basically make two humanoid porcelain doll daughters for yeah. your wife. I mean, it's a sweet gesture, but it's <laughs> you have to have a couple of screws loose to think, oh, you know what's better than one pseudo-porcelain doll daughter? Two 
pseudo porcelain doll to daughters. To be fair, the the only reason why this happened in the first place is because Hebia couldn't have kids. But that's beside the point. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Okay. okay. And adoption was totally not an option. Anyway. I'm just saying. So I, I bring that up to tie that all around. And also because we're going to talk about yet another connection to Angelic Layer in our very next segment. See, I've tied it all together here. Because we're going to move on from a couple of characters who have some robot connections to some people who are deep into the robot lore. Let us talk about Minoro Kokobunji and his robot sister, Yuzuki. Minoru Kokobunji is a basically a child genius. Um, let's just say that um, he, he's basically um, Izzy from Digimon. If uh, Izzy uh, was also like super sophisticated and not as much of a nerd with a <laughs> pet bug for a sentient partner. Oh, sweet lord! <laughs> uh, but he, he's very he's very important in the show because he helps answer a lot of the questions that the characters have, and he's kind of the, their go to resource when they need help. And he is aided in his endeavor by a Priscom he developed named Yuzuki, who is designed to look and act almost identical to his sister Kayade, who died a couple of years before the show started, and who was a member of the Angelic Layer fighting team. Like, she was actually in that show. Hmm. So, th- another connection in there. Uh, why he did not name his robot Kayade 2 and instead named her Yuzuki, that's up for debate. So, uh, voicing these characters... Okay, so we got a child genius in a Japanese anime. Who do you guys think is going to voice Minoru? You already said Izzy as a comparison. Gee, I wonder. It's Mona Marshall. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Mona Marshall comes back to voice yet another uh, child genius character with a very believable little boy voice. Uh, you've heard Mona Marshall before. You've heard her as Izzy in Digimon. You've heard her uh, in one of her rare adult voices as Asuka in Noeen. And to bring it back around to Magic Knight Ray Earth yet again, uh, she plays a- Ascot, which is another uh, capricious little boy character in that show. Talking about Yuzuki, Yuzuki is voiced by Karen Strassman. Uh, you've heard her uh, in one of the more recent shows. She was Amelia in Durarara. She was Me- Megan Nami in LaGrange, and she is Miyuki in Lucky Star. Um, Andrew, I'm going to actually pass this off to you for starting this out, because um, uh, Mona and Karen, uh, what you got to say about them? Uh, Mona is a very convincing uh, actress when it comes to playing these little, like, younger boy characters. It's... I think uh, Minoru is a much more sophisticated, well-spoken-for boy than uh, Nauta-kun in uh, Fooly Cooly, which is my big point of comparison when I think of, like, Mona Marshall playing, like, younger boy characters. Mm-hmm. He's a little more of a rambunctious, like, kind of a bit of a moody brat. Well, this guy is much more well-spoken-for, intellectual... He's a pretty good rich boy who also has four robots, bikini, maid, girl, Persica. There's a lot of... This, Look. I, I don't know if I've said this before in this episode. This show's really horny. It is it is not horny in a way where it's like they are shoving it in your face and reminding you, did you know what boobs look like? They said what boobs look like. It's like, it's written by ladies. That's how you know. It's like classy horny. It's horny, but it knows it's horny. It doesn't need to flaunt it. Anyways, back to Moda. Um, Moda does a great job, and 
it's basically Mona's a lot of the exposition dump in the show, but also gets genuinely emotional when it comes to the quandary of having your most powerful robot look just like your sister and trying to struggle with the fact that do I love you because you look just like my sister or do I love you because you are your own person? Which, it's a very interesting quandary uh, that they find themselves. Andrew, Mona Marshall wasn't Nowton Fooly Cooly. No, it? that was Barbara Goodson. That was Barbara I was Goodson. Gonna, I was gonna... Oh, shit! I was 99% oh, sure, but shit. I didn't want to say it I did too. I looked, looked up to him like, wait. Okay, fuck. Yeah, because in the back wait, of your brain, you're like, wait, I would have remembered if Mona the... was in Fooly Cooly. Wait. Anyway. I was gonna say, they sound, they sound very familiar, and it was bugging me. I'm sorry. Okay, no, fuck it. Forget that I said that part. Um, Mona's great. Uh, does a very good job doing the emotional core with uh, the discussion. And Yuzuki sounds very casual, matter-of-factly, but she gets to be a little more independent when she gets to kind of rebel and hacks into a database. That's kind of a dangerous database to hack into. I think Karen's got a very good, big sisterly voice. I think their relationship is very interesting, but it's actually probably, of all the complicated relationships that we've discussed, probably one of the more vanilla ones. Yes. It's just basically, you are you're, you can't get over your dead sister, but you're also kind of discovering she's not your sister, she is Yuzuki, mm-hmm. which I thought was actually kind of sweet. But no, uh, Mona, who is not Barbara Goodson, uh, does a fantastic job, and I think Karen Strassman does a pretty good job as Yuzuki. Now, I'm going to dissent that a little bit, because um, I actually was not a big fan of Karen's performance in this uh, at, uh, from the get-go, because uh, it takes her a little while to work into it. And here's the reason why. Um, Yuzuki is a robot, Persicom, what you want to call them. And because of that, uh, it sounded like she was trying to sound robotic herself. Now, whether or not that was the intentional direction, like, okay, read this. Uh, a little less expression-like, you know, almost like a robot would, or if that was just uh, learning to act a little bit, like it took a little time to get into that, I can't quite be sure, but it turned me off to the performance in rewatching it. Like, I didn't really notice that the first time, but this time rewatching it and being a little more critical, I'm like, it's a, it's a little on the flatter side. Uh, but luckily, um, she does have a whole lot of that, uh, like you're saying, that nice big sisterly voice to her, and that's the kind of thing that uh, does make it believable when she decides, you know, I, I am going to commit digital suicide by trying to cyber hack into this database. So I, I guess it's the one where it took me the longest to get the u- get get the used to to get used to. No problems at all getting used to Mona Marshall. Um, like you were saying before, Hardy, there's a lot of techno babble in the show, and most of it falls on Coco Bungie because he has to describe. You know, what, what is a Persicom? What's a Chobits? What's a message board? What's a username? Why are you calling someone M when your name is an M? That was very believable. The, the idea that someone wouldn't call someone their actual name. They have to call them their web name. Speaking of which, Lilac, what did you think of these performances? I think Andrew needs to learn his actors a little bit better. <laughs> I love you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I'm con contemplating cutting now that, that i've part said this, something probably not, not. um <laughs> oh boy so so uh it's i'll okay. start with karen as yuzuki as well it's very weird that you say you want you're the center on this one i 
I could find, I could tell there were some moments where it seemed a little bit stiff and robotic, but at the same time, I kind of also understood that was probably the direction that they were going with. You think so? Which, I, th- I kind of think so. Because, like, when you think about it, the idea that Yuzuki is supposed to be a replacement for, um... Kaede. Minor- yeah, for Kaede. For Minoru's sister. And it's like a... It's like a not-so-subtle reminder that Yuzuki is not human, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I, so, I don't know, maybe it wasn't intentional, but if I put my brain muscles to work, I don't know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> if I describe it as that, I think it works. Um, I could buy I that. Can, I can, I mean, I I buy can that. understand what you're coming from, though. Well, I could buy that if any of the other Persicoms were directed like that, but none of them really are. Chi, maybe. Well, maybe Chi, Chi, but she's a different story entirely, though. Yeah. Yeah, I got got words on that. She's a different animal. Um, (laughs) But I I, I did find Karen's portrayal of Yuzuki as, like, this soft and just soft-spoken and just a gentle person. Um, She does... Wow. She does, I can't read my own <laughs> writing today. She does have her own personality despite being a robot, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, not as much of a personality as Kotoko or Sumomo of God, of all freaking people. God. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can tell that there is something there, which I really appreciate. Um, as for Mona Marshall, um, this is not Izzy from Digimon. This is not Izzy from <laughs> Digimon. <laughs> Nope. This is not this is not Naoto from Fooly Cooly. This is not Naoto from this is Fooly Cooly. Of course it's not Naoto. <laughs> I'm going to keep dunking look, on Andrew, Andrew the whole I, fucking night. I'm going to defend you. Andrew. I'm going to defend him because I've also yeah. gotten actors wrong before on recording. So it, it happens, okay? Don't hold that against you. Look. It, now, I, being I, horny I, I on Maine, love... we can hold that against him. But that's not happening in this episode. <laughs> anyway, yes. Because uh, it's fun to poke fun at him. It's great. Um... But Mona Marshall, this is, it's funny that the character is similar to an Izzy, but it's not Izzy. Because Minoru is a lot more quiet. He's a lot more quiet, a lot more calm and, like, methodical and can think things through nine times out of ten. Um, Which is very interesting. It's a very different side than what at least I'm used to for Mona Marshall and what she usually portrays for these kinds of characters. Um, Except, obviously, when it comes to Yuzuki. Anything related to Yuzuki and putting Yuzuki in danger and her putting her well-being at risk, nope, he doesn't... Minoru wants none of that shit. (laughs) Like, he will defend Yuzuki and be like, no, you stop that. (laughs) You stop that. We're not going to do this to her. No, no, no. (laughs) And I appreciate that a lot. Um, But yeah, like, in general, I actually liked both of these performances. There, again, there were points where it was rather stiff um, and rather flat at points, especially in the beginning, because growing pains on these roles more than likely. Yeah. But, again, like I was saying with some of the earlier characters, when it has to hit specific moments and specific beats, it does that. They do do that. Um, And I think they portray those specific moments rather well. Um, But, yeah, overall, it's, it's, they're both, they both did a good job. I did enjoy them. Thank you. 
party, man. Yeah. Uh, I'll keep it brief. I think they both did very fitting performances. Yeah, because obviously Mona Marshall has a, a lot of experience voicing this type of character. Um, fun fact. Uh, I noticed that... I know Andrew uh, confused her for Barbara Goodson earlier. Um, many people know that that Coco Bungi has the voice of Rita Repulsa. No, no, no. That uh, Naoto has the voice of Rita Repulsa. Uh, but now mm-hmm. he's also voiced by Cloud and Tifa's landlady <laughs> in the remake. <laughs> oh, my Legit? God. Legit, yeah. That's they, great. Yeah. Now, they... <laughs> Yeah, she uh, she oversees the uh, the apartment complex that they stay at. But anyways, yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. It, you could definitely tell Kokoboji is definitely not Izzy, even though he sort of he sort of Izzy um, caffeine free Izzy. As I caffeine say. free Izzy light is is that what you're thinking of? I, Izzy zero sugar. Izzy zero. There you go. <laughs> There's a can. There's a can of Coke on the shelf, and that's Izzy. And then there's the black can with zero sugar in it. That's that's Minoru. Yeah. Basically, Izzy is a switch, and Minoru is a switch light. Ah, uh, okay. Anyways, you yeah. thought he was going somewhere else with that, didn't you? No comment. Considering, yeah, he's he's considering, not going to confirm or deny it, but that answer alone tells me everything. Considering how Minoru dresses his persicoms other than Yuzuki, <laughs> I don't know. You're not wrong. Maybe that was just the factory default. He had no say in it. No, it's very clearly stated that all of his persicoms are customized. You really think he got that factory made? No. Yeah. <laughs> And this is why you can't live on the internet, people. Then you grow up to to think women should dress like this. Anyways, anyways, I diverse. Yeah, Mona sounds really great as yet another little boy character, and uh, and Karen sounds really great as another big sister type character. So, uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it for me. And I'm I'm glad Andrew that you you described their relationship as the most vanilla of the whole cast because um, I, I feel like in a different kind of show. Uh, Minoru would uh, take from the show the lesson, I should let go of my sister, because, you know, I miss her, but I need to let her go. But in this show, he does that not by letting go of Yuzuki, but by embracing Yuzuki as mm. who she is. Mm. And that's a very, that's a, a very mature, I don't know if mature is the right word, but it's it's unexpected direction it's for them to take. It's a different way of, like, handle, it's a very interesting way of handling grief, is basically Minoru's story. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah. So, um, on that topic, um, that's vanilla. Are you right? Re- are you guys ready to go into dark chocolate mode? I was gonna say Rocky Road, but that works too. <laughs> it, it's it's <laughs> it, legit, not wrong. Oh my God. Th- this is, I mean, Kate, the part we're gonna cover here is probably the part for most of us where we learned. Oh, I don't know. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but it's too late to turn it's back like now. It's like opening the, the bag of the dead dove from Arrested Development and saying, I didn't know what I was expecting. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> You're right. So this is uh, our next group is going to be talking about yet another couple and their Persicom. And, uh, well, let's list them out here. Uh, first up, when you go to a prep school, you need to have an instructor. 
And in this case, we have Takako Shimizu, who is the instructor that the uh, characters uh, learn from in more ways than one. <laughs> oh, mm. my. Um, I wonder yes. who's hot for teacher, though. Uh, <clears throat> You're welcome for that opening, boys and girls. <laughs> anyway. Man, I think the clock is slow. I can I can hear the tapping of fingers on like a desk. I hear the tapping fingers on a desk, and I'm like, is Hardy like like finger tapping a guitar right now? What do you think the teacher's gonna look like this year? Oh, and who is half a teacher, but none other than Hiromu Shinbo? <laughs> you were so close. That is fucking. That's staying in. Noah, you better keep this in right now. Damn, you're right. <laughs> ne- never, ever, ever, never try to be Eddie. People, never, ever try to go full Eddie. <clears throat> Anyways, the one who is hot for teacher is Hideki's next door neighbor. And, uh, hot for teacher, um, Hiromi, sorry, Hiromu Shinbo, uh, who is the same age as Hideki, and yet somehow gets it really hot for the teacher when we find out, uh, first of all, what her backstory is with Persicoms, and he kind of takes upon himself to be her knight in shining armor, um, make of that what you will. But he uh, has a Persicom of his own, who is the best girl in the whole show. I will hear no arguments otherwise. Her name is Sumomo, and she is the other pocket-sized Persicom who dresses in a pink genie-like outfit, wields a tambourine, and starts the day out with the wakey-wakey exercises, which, after watching the show, Jennifer would wake me up with that same expression... Much to my chagrin for ever showing her the show in the first place. Oh, you basically... That's your own you fault and no one yeah, else's. Yeah, you dug yourself your own it, hole there. It's my own damn fault. Look, I, it was one of the few shows that we both enjoyed together, so I, I will take it. I will take the wakey-wakey exercises. <laughs> Good. It was Chobits and Fruits Basket. That's pretty much it. Well, that's a win right there, then. That's a pretty good That it is. All right. So, and so, Takako is voiced by Wendy Lee. And uh, I I know you've all heard her before. I don't have to list roles, but I will for the fun of it. She's Haruhi Suzumiya. She's Kanata in Lucky Star. She's Faye Valentine. She is all of the direction in California dubs these days. She is also, from what I've been told, just an incredibly wonderful person. Playing Shinbo is another absolutely wonderful person who also does quite a bit of directing nowadays. Tony Oliver! Uh, if you've seen uh, the loop in the third movie, Mystery of Mamo, you've heard him there. If you've seen Lucky Star, he plays Kanata's dad. If you've seen Unlimited Blade Works, which I haven't, he apparently plays Lance. I know there's some reference to Lance. Whatever. <laughs> like, Lance, Lancer, Lance me back and Lance forth. Bass. I, I haven't seen the show. Where should anyone start in Fate series? I don't know, and I don't think I ever will. Zero. All no, right, start with start with 06 once, just to get the shit pile out of the way first. I, I feel compelled to watch it in chronological order, but that, that's for a different podcast. But in this one, I am so excited about this because we finally get to talk about a, character, a voice actress who I don't think 
many people even have heard her name before. At least if you're not one of the older fans. Sandy Fox voices Sumomo, and I adore Sandy Fox. You've heard her in stuff like Vern in Grand Blue. You've heard her in the new redub of Sailor Moon as Chibi. Is it it's yeah. Chibi Usa? It's just Chibi Usa. Just don't call her Usa. And she was also in Magic Knight Ray Earth in the second season that nobody watched. She voiced the character of Asuka. There's a lot of of dark subject matter to unpack here. So, Lilac, why don't you ease us into talking about the characters and why we all want to kill Takako's husband? I was saying earlier that this show confused the shit out of me. And eventually did a 180 and confused me even more. And it was this fucking storyline that did it. <laughs> like, really? okay, so, like, what I was used to, at least for, what was it, like, 12, 13 episodes in, is just, like, a mix mm-hmm. of slice of life, comedy, perversion kind of shit. Like, that's what I was used to. And some of it, because my brain just had, again, had a hard time getting into the show, I'm not going to lie. I just couldn't get attached to it. And then the episode where Miss Shimizu magically appears at Hideki's apartment and spends the night. I was like, okay, interesting. (laughs) This is coming out of nowhere. Cool. And then at the end of that episode... When Hideki's walking home and he catches Miss Shimizu and Shinbo out of nowhere talking to each other and then suddenly, like, kissing each other, I was like, wait, hold on. Legit. Legit for those listening, the boys can vouch for me on this. When I was watching these episodes, these specific set of episodes yesterday... I was, like, writing shit in our little chat for the show, and I was so confused, and I'm like, wait, why is Mishimizu over there? And all Hardy could say is just, wait for it, wait for it, and I'm like, what? I'm still confused, and still, wait for it, wait for it, and then I get to the end of it, I'm like... What the fuck am I watching now? And and, every, and all three of the boys basically collectively are like, there it is. There it is. The bomb has struck. I'm like, what? Because I was the last one to like get through those sets of episodes out of the four of us. And I'm just like, what happened? And then all of a sudden, from this point on, like the show did a 180 tonally. And, I'm, and now I'm just like, what is this sci-fi weird existential <laughs> crap happening? I'm confused. Anyway... That's beside the point. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's very interesting for me to talk about these three actresses, because two of them I actually have never really talked about for acting roles before, if you can believe it. Well, we didn't really talk about Tony Oliver as uh, as Konata's dad, I don't think, right? Not as part of the discussion point, but probably in passing. Well, we we did talk about him, but he... Probably in passing, right? Yeah, well, no, he was no, he was uh, like one of the main characters, but he, uh, we had much less to say about him than we Got did it. the other girls because you know if you're not a hot girl, then what's the point Fair. of talking about you? But like, it's just very interesting because I'm not uh, I'm not that familiar with Tony Oliver as an actor outside of goddamn Lupin, <laughs> like legit. And then Sandy Fox, I 
I don't think I have ever heard her any uh, as anything. I have not seen the new redub of Sailor Moon, believe it or not. Um, I'm just briefly like running through to see if anything stands out in terms of credits, and I'm not seeing anything, which is very weird for me. Um, and then Wendy Lee is Wendy Lee, so that's just just what is there to say? Um, but let me start with um. Let me start with Sandy, actually. Sandy is a huge ball of energy. Like, she's such a ball of energy, and it's a fun energy. I very much appreciate that there's so much energy to her. This is probably, probably with the exception of maybe Hideki, because Hideki has his outburst, and we're gonna talk about Mm -hmm. him. Um, this is so, this is the most energetic character of the show. Um... And to her credit, she does pretty well. It can be a little rough sometimes, mm-hmm. admittedly. Like, but she's still so stupidly cute and spunky as this little robot girl. Like, just like, it's time! It's time to wake up! Wakey, wakey! Or, like, she's your little GPS, and it's like, she blows the whistle. No, this is the wrong way. You can't buy panties here. I, I, I love that you're trying to you're trying to mimic her pitch by pitching up your voice to falsetto level, and it's still not high enough. No, my voice my voice cannot reach that right now. <laughs> Legit, and, and she's not. The fun thing is that she's not really like she, Sandy Fox. To my knowledge, doesn't have to try to pitch it up very high. Like no. something I've seen her in that's not anime related is. She actually showed up on an episode of uh, this game show called uh, Press Your Luck. Yeah. Which was, oh, no, I'm sorry. It was it was the revamp of Press Your Luck. Okay. Um, but it was basically the same thing. And, yeah, she was on it just playing the game. And, yeah, her normal speaking voice is just close to that pitch. It, it's kind of a Mona Marshall situation where, like you were saying before, so you can't judge, you can't criticize people for their natural mm-hmm. voices. Sometimes that's just the voice God gave yeah. them. Yeah. But no, Sandy Fox is spunky and just, ah, oh, so energetic. Sometimes it can be, it, it, it sometimes can almost get too energetic to the point of obnoxious, um, to the point where I can understand where it can get borderline obnoxious. I can understand that. Um, mm-hmm. But I also at least appreciate the balance of personality compared to some of these other characters that are very soft-spoken and quiet. And um, and then Hideki is a person that exists. Um, <coughs> anyway, so for the most part, I did enjoy Sandy as Sumomo. Um, Wendy Lee as Miss Shimizu. That's an interesting one. No, Wendy Lee is a very interesting one because Wendy Lee is a prominent voice actress and you heard her in a variety of roles. Um, this is one of the roles that I think I've... that I hear that is very sassy and kind of sensual at points. Because, like... Oh, sweet lord. The, the the episode where she stayed the night with Hideki. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet lord. And she, she ended up getting drunk and everything. I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> this is a thing <laughs> oh, that's yes. happening right now. I mean, have you seen how the woman drinks? She could put me down. She could, yeah. 
And those were 24 ounces. Those were 24 ounce cans, too. But at the same time, she also has a very vulnerable side that has quite a bit of a punch to it. Um, because under that perky, like, happy facade is just this hurt woman after her husband basically, like, it, like essentially tosses her aside, really. Yeah. Which which really is n- not okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that was, I mean, that's, if you're watching this show for the first time, that's where it's going to dawn on you that this is not a... All the light. This show, show took a 180 fucking degree turn at this fucking point, and it I was weird. It a, well, I mean, we wouldn't call it a 180 degree turn because the the seeds for what the show is going to be about were kind of laid early on. Uh, it just wasn't as blatant about it until that episode. I'm glad you said that because I didn't freaking notice those seats. <laughs> I didn't notice them. It just took a 180 turn. I'm just like, what the hell am I watching? This is a completely different show now. Um, no, but anyway. Um, but similar, similarly to a good amount of performances, it weirdly enough, it did take a minute for me to adjust to even Wendy Lee as Miss Shimizu. Like... This this dub is so strange to me because it's just, it's so strange to me because again it took a it, it's so it's so I don't think it's does stands very well right now and it's very difficult for me to like really give decent thoughts about it because I'm getting so repetitive but um it did take a tiny bit for me to really get into and adjust to Wendy as um Shimizu, but once I think once we got to the actual arc of the story where it involved Miss Shimizu, um, mm-hmm. that's where I felt it a bit more, and I got a lo- I I kind of felt it a lot more, and I got more accustomed to it at that point, and I got more invested. Um, yeah, because before mm-hmm. that, she I mean, she yeah she pops up throughout the show yeah. as just kind of the the um good natured, mm-hmm. but also kind of um what's we're looking for here like. She, she doesn't berate Hideki for its, um, his personality. It's more like a, I know you can do better, and so I'm gonna like kind of like nudge you in the right direction. Kind She's of trying to motivate him. Yeah, she really is. She means very well. And then we have Shinbo, right? And Tony Oliver. Oh boy, do we ever! <sighs> and it's it's very weird for me to talk about Tony Oliver, but. Here's the thing. I actually think this is my favorite performance of the show. Really? Yeah. Like from the he from the beginning, I was totally invested in his performance. It's the one one performance that one performance aside from who the hell did I say? Um, Mona, I think that was yeah. the most consistent all the way through. Not only that, but, like, I enjoyed the personality and the vocal quality of the of the performance, too. Like, Kashinbo means so well. He's a good dude. He's a good man. And, um, a good person and a good friend. He's also snarky at points, and it's kind of great when he is. <laughs> I was like, "What? No!" When he when they were playing the video game, like, "Why did you drag me into this?" 
<laughs> that was fun. Why did you drag me into this? I, I'm I'm trying to go to bed right now, Hideki. <laughs> but um, no. But then um, I think what really sold me on it for sure, because that 180 flip that I mentioned earlier, it doesn't. In my brain, didn't officially start until the end of that episode where he is talking to Miss Shimizu and is being very serious about their relationship. And they're outside in the rain and all that stuff. That, like, sudden flip in character, I think was done so well and I loved every second of it. But, like, I just absolutely love this character from, like, the personality to those little moments that he had, um, whether it's interacting with Sumomo, whether it's interacting with Hideki when Hideki's a fucking noob at the internet. Um, <laughs> I just find it so much fun. And uh, again, this is probably the one performance that was the most consistent to me throughout the entire show. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have any issues with it and I just fell in love with it from the start. So... I'm kind of sad I don't get to talk about Tony Oliver as a voice actor in recent stuff. Like, I'm, I'm sure he's done recent stuff, yeah, but it's, I at least I haven't seen anything recently that he's voiced in anyway. It's usually just directing that he does outside of yeah. goddamn Lupin again. But um, even then, like, I really, really do enjoy this performance, and... Like, in, in a dub to me, that's, like, very, very hit or miss, probably for a lot of people. And it was hard for me to, like, really get into it and f- find so many good things. Like, this is probably one of the biggest, like, praises I can give right now, honestly. Because I, I just love Tony Oliver as Shinbo. I loved every second of it, no. so... I won't pass this up. Uh, Hardy, I'd like you to have a tangent, please. Let's see here. I have to sort of side with Lilac. I don't think he was my favorite performance in this show, but I really did enjoy Tony's stint as Shinbo mm-hmm. because he's able to pull off both the um, the moments where Shinbo is kind of not, I wouldn't say being an idiot, but he's being goofy. Also, the moments where he's sort of freaking out, uh, thinking his computer has died and um, and also the moments where he's sort of the more genuine modus where he's slowly seducing his teacher mm-hmm. and trying to convince her to leave her husband. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think Tony does a really good job. I I couldn't not hear Lupin at a few moments, but but I mean I, that's just... I, I heard Lupin too a couple times, but that's it's yeah, the same Lupin thing is as cons- like it's the Lupin same thing is- as hearing Faye. <laughs> Over yeah. again, you know what I mean? Right. Well, Lupin is considerably more goofy than Shinbo is, mm-hmm. but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I think I think he did a a good performance here. Um, Wendy Lee again is Wendy Lee. I don't think I have ever heard a bad performance from her. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a. Li- oh. Oh no. <laughs> Noah has words. You, you haven't heard. Have you heard the old Harmony Gold dub of Dragon Ball Z? Oh my! No, 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 no. But uh, we're not going to talk it's about that. It's not Dragon Ball Z. It's, it's Dragon, Dragon Ball. Ball. Yeah, we're so, we're not yeah. talking about that. But uh, but anyways, there there have been a few that I've been more critical of. Uh, 
in fact, Haruhi Suzumiya was one that never really sold me, to be ironic. I, I remember that. I remember that discussion, yeah. And there are already people who are listening to the very few snippets from the new Case Closed dub that they're saying she's really not going to be the right voice for, for Conan. But that's that. we'll cross that bridge when, when we get to it. But uh, again, Wendy Lee is Wendy Lee. She's one of my all-time favorite voice actresses. And uh, I think that uh, that she does really good job as, as uh, Miss Shimizu. Um, let me say this here. Sumomo can be very, very, very annoying. Yes. 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 It's true. And I don't think we're going to argue that. Yeah. Um, Sandy Fox definitely brings a liveliness to the character. I think she makes it a bit too much at times. Okay. To where it's it's kind of irritating. But I don't fault the actress for that, and I don't fault the performance for that. It's mainly just because the character can be very annoying at times. Um, she went in there and made Sumomo be Sumomo because we all need Momo Sumomo. So, <laughs> so, so. I'm confused yeah. now. That made my Sumomo, mo, 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 mo. Momo Sumomo Fosho. Sure. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. You guys are making my brain hurt. Sure. <laughs> Uh, anyways, that's what I have to say, so go, go. Stop making my brain hurt. It's midnight right now. Stop. Never. Oh, go, go. Oh, no. Shut the her fuck name up. Is, oh, okay. Her name is Coco. She is loco. I say, oh, no. Oh, God, I love <laughs> your gods. Andrew, please stop my oh. brain. Right, right, right. Okay, I, all right. Is it my turn? Yes. Okay, so, first up, I'm just going to say, I do agree that I think at first I thought Sumomo was a little bit annoying, but I think as the show went on, I got kind of endeared to the little goofy robot child dork. <laughs> I got very endeared to her, and I think Sandy is very rambunctious and energetic, and I just, I kind of started really falling in love with Sumomo being the, probably the most Pippy, uh, GPS in the world. Warning, warning! <laughs> you are going the wrong way! Advertising! Warning, warning! That is not a place where you buy underpants! That is a truck! Underpants? Please don't. She buys underpants here! Don't. Underpants, thank you! Please, please don't turn me into a chew toy! Oh god, when she's about to get chased by the dog, I'm like, oh, that's adorable. I think she's a little... I, I agree she's a little annoying, but Sandy Fox is having a time of her life being this goofy little goober, and I think she's a great <laughs> comic... Yeah. Goofy little goober, yeah. Um... Yeah, no, I, I think she's a good little comic relief. Though I, I'll also say, I, I do think I kind of wanted to see a little more of a complexity to Sumomo's story. Partially, just because it's like, you know what, she'd have an interesting perspective on certain things too. She has opinions and feelings of things. Even she's programmed to have a little idle goofy dance and it's adorable and cute. I'll say this. You know what I would have liked? I would have liked her perspective on being abandoned and given to Hideki out of the blue. More on that in a second as I segue into this. Let's talk about uh, Takeko Shimizu and Shimbo. 
Uh, I'll start with uh, Shimizu. Uh, I think Wendy Lee does a very good job sounding like the authoritative, uh, cool, level-headed teacher that's a bit... She, she's a respectable educator. She's a little bit... She's a little bit loose, and I... Oh, God, I just realized what I meant by saying a little bit loose. Um, good job. She's... She gets a little loose with her students, uh, so to speak. Um, but, but yeah, um, I, I think, like, she, Wendy does a pretty good job sounding like the stern educator lady who's a little bit of a flirt at times, but I was very impressed with the dramatic beats of her failed marriage because her husband became a Persicom-assessed, like, person to the point that he was locking her out because he didn't even realize she was still there like that's like fucked up genuinely so and that's mm -hmm. a pretty upsetting story dark but i think wendy does a good job doing the dramatic stuff and i do kind of enjoy the very dubious relationship I think Tony as Shinbo is definitely, like, one of the strongest performances in the show. I'm very familiar with Tony Oliver as, like, a director nowadays, but he's a really strong actor. He knows his stuff. He is basically, like, ironically enough, Tony Oliver is a voice acting teacher for a lot of voice actors we've covered on this show. Many people cite him as, like one of the people they consider the most insightful voice acting class they've taken. I'm sort of segueing to the fact that Shinbo does, in fact, fuck a teacher. <laughs> um, anyways. We said it. He's uh, hot for teacher. Who are we fucking He's very hot for kidding? teacher. He's got it bad. I mean, yeah, are He's hot got for it bad. He's got it bad. <laughs> He's a lancer, and he decided to put his lance in her. Uh, okay, that was a terrible joke. That was a that, I was saying... I've been saving that, like that a... one for the past, like, 15 minutes, okay? Andrew, Anyways. that's a horrible joke, and you should feel bad. I Andrew, feel what? terrible. Let's continue. Um, so, here's the thing. Tony Oliver's been in the game for a long-ass time, but he's a really, really good actor. He does a great job making uh, Shinbo sound like this very chill, relaxing bro guy. Like, I would totally hang out with a Shinbo. He's a good friend. He knows what he's doing. He's a techie. He's a bit of a goober, but he's also not like a creepy friend. He's a very supportive, encouraging friend who's always there for Hideki when he needs him to be. He's a good guy. And also, actually kind of a bit of a charming romantic in a way while the relationship's he, a little questionable what he gives her a gold star that's for sure yeah he did he gave her a gold star <sighs> he gave her a gold star oh god i'm having fun with this i'm having fun with this one because they're legal uh compared to mr manager and the high school girl um i, I, I guess you could say that shimbo uh gave takako a couple of banana stickers that was a horrible joke. And you you had to that. bring up the banana stickers. Wow. <laughs> that's the only thing. That that's a wow. That's a death feel? clock reference. <laughs> you come into my house on the recording of Chobits and you make a freaking Metalocalypse reference. Oh, my God. I don't know why I'm as worked up about this as I am, but I am. <laughs> 
Okay. I'm proud of you too, Hardy. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you too. Why, why should Hardy be, why are you, first of all, why are you proud of Hardy? And Hardy is not proud of you, so what the fuck? Because this is the Twisted Top Turvy oh, Dub Talk episode where nothing makes sense anymore. And the and now that you brought and Continue, and now that, Andrew. I like where Now that you've brought it up, I can't stop making Metalocalypse quotes. Oh, Thank you no. so much. Oh. I'm going to say this in uh. English so that you understand. I want flies in <laughs> on a dragon's. <laughs> it's like, uh, this total sausage you, fest. <laughs> Toki liked to- sausage okay. fest. It's like, oh, no, not that uh. sausage fest. That was fun. I haven't even seen Metalocalypse, and I, I only know bits and pieces it's- of it. I'm just like, oh, my God. Why? Why are we doing this? All right. Why am I here? All right, Hardy. Hardy, let's get this out of oh, our God. system. Let's get one Dr. Roxo. And then let's continue on. Dr. Oxo needs to get clean! I do cocaine! I fucking quit. I'm done. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Thank you, Good Hardy. Night. Oh, you, you can't. We're almost done, sweetie. No, you done. guys are almost done. I'm leaving now. You're... Bye. <laughs> okay. You, you All right. are in this metal band with oh, us for God, life. Am I really? You are in this black metal band with oh, us till the end shit. of time. Why did I volunteer for this? <laughs> That's fucking brutal, man. Anyways, 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 anyways. So, Tony is a very good bro. He's a supportive kind of goofball guy who is very interesting, but also kind of a sincere romantic. He hears a ba- he basically sees Takako just alone on the swings because she has nowhere else to go, and he just kind of is smitten with her and over the course of the entire show basically in the background he is kind of courting her the entire time until he's kind of ready to take the plunge and basically run away together to get hitched but he's serious about it he's serious about her showing her that there is love that can be found in her heart that has been wounded by a man who has left her for the computer age and I think that's kind of strange but tony had such a level of sincerity and like earnest romanticism to it and also like the scene in the bathhouse is genuinely like gripping romantic stuff who he then proceeds to give her a banana sticker at the end of it okay i'm done now for <laughs> reals oh sweet sweet lord you say that like she didn't want it so so andrew yes Next time I see you, you know what you're not getting? A banana sticker. Yes. It, I will It's okay, this. you could go buy some for yourself. I could. They're very cheap. <laughs> Anyways. You're not you're not getting a gold star either, just so you know. You know what isn't cheap though? Sumomo. Sumomo is a precious bean. She is a portable device. He has sunk probably at least a couple hundred dollars, if not at least a four-digit into her. And he just gives her away. He just he just kind of gives her to Hideki, just because, hey, I, I got my teacher now, I don't need my robot girl anymore. And I'm thinking to myself... I mean, it's, not, it's not that, but... Okay, look, if you, were, if you were dating someone who had severe trauma related to, I don't know, let's say, uh, uh, pineapples... Okay, look, just, look, 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 look. I... 
get the dramatic story angle. I get the fact that she has personally been harmed by somebody getting too attached to a Persicom. Like, basically to the point of infatuation and obsession. And I guess maybe at the start of the relationship... Here's what it is. If at the start of the relationship is like, I'm gonna have Sumomo be with you for a little bit because she still has... she, I need to prove to her that... I am not just obsessed with my Persicom, that I can be with her and love her. After a little while, I'll get Sumumo back. I would be understanding of that. But he just kind of gives Hideki Sumomo. Yeah, and there, there is a bit of a... There's a plot explanation for that, though, because the main reason he has Sumomo is to help him with school, to get through prep school and eventually to get into college. It's explained in the very last episode, not the episode episode, but the recap episode that comes after that, that despite being accepted into several colleges after prep school, Shinbo doesn't continue with his education. He gets a job because he wants to support their relationship. So ideally, you wouldn't need a Persicom from studying anymore. You're just going into the workforce. So it kind of makes sense why he doesn't ask for Sumomo back. But if it's still, like, late, like, look, Shippo is not going to NTR you with Sumomo. <laughs> I don't even believe that Sumomo... Andrew, did you have to say NTR about this? I don't That's even believe that Suno- Sumomo knows what fucking it- is. It's not, well, no, but that's not the point. The the mental image is not something Andrew, I needed, Andrew, okay? I don't Andrew, want to think Andrew. of Sumomo. You go good and well that Shinbo has used Sumomo to look at porn sites. You know good and well. Uh, those are the basics. Yeah. Oh, God, you're right. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know what? Fair point. She has pro- Sumomo has, she has seen probably watched him fap. Oh, God, yeah, I hate true. this fucking universe. Why would you remind me of this? Fuck. Yes. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a segment from South Park. <clears throat> jacking it, jacking it, jackety jack. Ah, fuck you. It, fuck you. Hardy, you're right, but still. Anyways, um, yeah. anyways, to bring this back around, uh, Sandy Fox is adorable as Sumomo. Wendy Lee is does a great job as the teacher. And Tony Oliver is fantastic and really convincing as Shimbo. And... I will end this by saying he can't do the wakey wake Iggy dance with Sumomo anymore. He does it with Takako now. Thank you. Good night. I, I would much quit. rather I would trade the wakey wakey exercises for the snuggle snuggle exercises any day. I, I fucking quit. I fucking quit. You can try, but this is remember what the eagle said. You can check out anytime you like. But you can but never you can leave. never leave. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm What? 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 Andrew. Steffi. <laughs> Andrew. Oh, this is precious. You get nothing. <laughs> you, lose. Get, you lose. You lose. Good day, sir. You, <laughs> you get nothing. Good day, sir. No banana stickers. No gold stars. No nothing. <laughs> Okay, so yeah. You, you also I, don't okay. get the melons, so oh, okay. good okay. day, sir. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Take this outside, you folks. This oh, is n- Lord. I, yeah, I don't have any... I have no negative things to say about Wendy, Tony, or Sandy. To keep this short and brief, Wendy has two major roles. She has to be perky, young adult, fun teacher, and then she has to be very sad and serious when telling us, 
um, in a really well-directed scene that essentially what happened with her husband, that he got hooked on the companionship of Persicoms to the point that he does not even remember that he has a wife. And all of this is told without us seeing her husband, without us seeing that Persicom. No, no visuals needed. We just hear her tell us about it. But it's so damn effective. Mix that with the really good soundtrack, which we haven't really mentioned throughout the show, but it's a really good soundtrack. Wendy And Wendy gets all points of that. She gets the perky parts right, and she gets the sad parts right, believably. So, really well done. Uh, it's not like Tony wasn't, like, my favorite performance or anything. It's just that because he's a much more chill guy, he doesn't get as much dynamicism compared to some of the other characters. And he doesn't really have, a, like, damage in the show itself. Like you guys were saying, he's the bud. He's the tech guy. He's the chill dude who you can watch hentai with. Like, this is the guy who will go to his place and we will watch the the milfing man on the weekend because that's just the kind of bro that he is. You know you know and, what? Hang on, just to cut you off for a second. This reminds me of that one internet video where it's like basically, oh my god, are you, you're so pathetic. Are you watching porn by yourself? It's like, nah, I'm with my boys! <laughs> that, that's, that's Shinbo. Oh, that, that Lordy. Is. Now I'm imagining Lupin if he'd ever gotten his hands on a Persicom. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What would he dress it like? You think he'd dress it? Fujiko. Fujiko. <laughs> no. Point made. He, he would dress it as Fujiko to get Fujiko's attention. And then he would have two Fujikos. I mean, part five was like a uh, cyber crime, wasn't it? So that actually could fit into the continuing adventures of the show. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Anyways, continue. That, that's a fanfic for another day. But yeah, Tony does a really good job. Um, it's kind of in contrast to who plays Hideki. Um, he gets he gets more confidence. Uh, he's more self-assured. And uh, even when he's conveying all the emotions on the sadder side or he's comforting other people, that's still believably the same character. Um, one, The only interesting fact I guess I can add is that in the manga, he was not uh, Hideki's next-door neighbor. Uh, he still served the same purpose, but he didn't live right next door. Um, so I appreciate that the, the anime decided to make him a next-door neighbor to kind of condense some of the events so we don't have a whole lot of traveling going on. So not everything has to be a one-to-one faithful adaptation, people. You can make changes in anime adaptation. Like, one thing you can do is when you have a character named Sumomo, please name them Sumomo. Don't name them Peach. Because that's what they did in the manga, in the English translation of the manga, the original Tokyo Pop translation is oh, called the Peach. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, get it? Because oh, Momo. I I think they changed it for the uh, the Dark Horse re-release. But um, where was I going with this? Sandy Fox. I love Sandy Fox. Everything you guys said about her being annoying is not inaccurate. Because yes, it is intentionally supposed to be high pitched and high energy. And if it gets under your skin. Well, then, you're just too much of a Kotoko. For the rest of us, she is adorable, precious little pocket computer, and I would totally uh, do the wakey-wakey exercise in the morning. Uh, it, okay, honestly, Sandy Fox has been around for a really long time, Has a very uh, does that same voice in a lot of shows, and each time I, I just can't uh, hate on it. Like, some people call it annoying, I can't do that. It's just too perky and too upbeat and acted well like her acting is actually really good that needs to be commended so with that being said that uh brings us to our final characters ladies and gentlemen Woo-hoo! so we've talked about a whole lot of computer relationships in this podcast so far you know do you want to marry a computer you can do that 
You want to use one as a surrogate for your dead sister? You can do that. You want to uh, basically abandon your wife so that you can um, live with one? Well, if you live on Facebook all your life, you probably are scum. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I know some people who just live on their phones and that's not cool. But what we're here to talk about is the final set of characters, the stars and star S, Chi and Hideki. Chi is the poster character. And I say that literally because I'm looking around my room and I have three Chi posters on my wall. You can't judge me. Um, she is the. It's, it's like you. It's like you like the show or something. God. They just popped up on their own. They're like Christmas decorations. <laughs> but she is the, uh, like I said, the uh, star Persicom who we don't know where she came from, but we learn at, throughout the show that she is in fact a AI induced Persicom uh, created by Miss Hebia and her husband as uh, surrogate children because they were not able to have any. And the reason why she has no memories and is essentially non-functioning at the beginning is because she asked for her memory to be wiped and to so that she could find someone who would love her on her own terms. And that person who we find out, we find, luckily is the first person who finds her, this show would have been really different if it wasn't, is Hideki Motosua, who is the starving college student that we need because without his compassion and his everydayness, uh, the show would be very, very different. The voices for these characters, Chi and her split personality, Freya, are voiced by Michelle Ruff. Now, Michelle Ruff's uh, more robotic voice that you're probably thinking of is Yuki Nagato in the Haruhi Suzumiya franchise. Uh, in a more recent thing on Netflix, she plays Kirari in Kakagurui. And uh, to bring it all back to our discussions about uh, Lupin the Third, she voices Fujiko Mine in quite a few recent Lupin the Third productions. But the one voice, and Lilac has been itching to talk about this since oh, this episode started. Sweet, sweet lord. <laughs> Have I? Oh boy. H- Hideki is, uh, you know, kind of a, a kind of a soft boy. You know, a little more on the, the nerdier soft side. Boy. I, I just mean, like, you know, he's not gruff. He's not tough. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's learning he's- to. No, he's a spaz. <laughs> and, and he's a little bit on the spastic side, who talks to himself in, when he should not do that. He's voiced by Crispin Freeman. Ah, oh, boy. <laughs> he, he's, vo- uh, he's voiced by the, the, one of the most charismatic voices in all of anime voice acting. This is not what we're used to hearing him as. We're used to hearing him uh, in sometimes like goofier voices, like Captain Taylor in the Captain Taylor franchise. Or uh, sometimes uh, tougher voices like uh, Fumo in the X franchise. Or in some of the more recent performances, you heard him as Cray Foresight in the movie Pro Mare, which oh, I heard be, was really... That's going to be very yeah. interesting, River. Isn't that a good... <clears throat> and of course, let, let yeah, us yeah. never forget Alucard from the Hellseeing Organization. Ah, oh, yeah. Complete opposite of... Of Hideki's character. I was Make about sure to say to he's all... one hell of a butler because my brain defaulted to that. I'm like, that's, that's not even, that's the not even show. No. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Miss. Oh, <laughs> making fun of me for getting Mona Marshall and Barbara Goodson mixed up. You almost confused him. No, 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 no. This is, this is my thought process. Oh, it was Hardy saying, talking about like Alucard in a deep voice. It was, I will admit, mildly sensual, and my brain went 
into fucking Sebastian, which I know is voiced by J. Michael Tatum. Don't fucking lump me in with you right now, He's Andrew. Also- hey, I got. Hey, I'm owed one at least. Come on. You are, you are. And if you're going to mix up any, Mona Marshall and Barbara Goodson is understandable. I hold you no ire for that. Okay. In fact, I'm going to hold you so little ire that I'm going to let you go first. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, okay. So, uh, I'll start with Chi. I've, this is definitely a kind of Michelle Ruff I've gotten pretty familiar with. This very kind of a little stoic, a little, little cult. Seemingly cold at first, but then you see her kind of grow... Like, she gets kind of cold and robotic when she's reading the story, because that's, like, her inner voice. Mm -hmm. I also think that the series does a really good job differentiating, uh... She from Freya? Uh, Yes. I think it does a really good job... Michelle does a great job differentiating what Freya sounds like and what she sounds like. I will give props to that. I think it's... It's a little weird sometimes here. You're trying to do longer dramatic spiels when she's talking in the chi voice, which is basically the very kind of quiet, but also little breathy stoic girl like this. She thinks that she was waiting for you. Like, I understand that she is a robot and it is convincing, but it takes a little getting used to throughout the show. Though, outside of that, she has some really very cute chi... Gee. It's a little goofy, but it's she doesn't make good job making it sound oh, very cute and endearing. It is so goofy. I think, like I said, it's a little weird. It takes getting used to, but I, I'm kind of expected this from Michelle. I think it's a little less refined than what I'm used to, but I think she does a pretty good job as she all things and done. Holy shit! This is the goofiest, wackiest, spazziest, and probably horniest uh, Crispin Freeman I've. <laughs> I've ever heard. Wow. I'm gonna argue. I, I think his Kion was. Hideki literally cannot keep his mouth shut. He literally cannot hide his boner to save his life. But okay, just because he said in episode one that he wants to look at internet porn in front of the landlady doesn't make him less perverted or more perverted than any other character that Kristen's voice Hideki is Hideki a pervert. Is average size. But, average but, size. But average size. I forgot that. I was like, average size. Like, oh, that's gotta fuck with you. But Hideki liked this look in his magazine. Understood. Samomo so will dress like that oh, in the future. No. <laughs> He's so bad at hiding his boner. Uh, but... No, it's a very fun, interesting, very different Crispin Freeman that I'm very used to. He's delightful. He is charming. He is funny. He is definitely, like, one of the most standout, like, performances in the dub. He is going hog wild with this, and it is delightful. He also does a good job making, like, the dramatic, like, emotional moments where he has to be, like, a friend to somebody, and he has to kind of confront his true feelings about Chi and all that. I think he does a great job. I think Crispin is having a ton of fun, and it is delightful to hear him do this character. I'm gonna say this. I don't know how I feel about the romance between him and Chi. Okay. Let me just say first and foremost that I don't. I I can see where Lilac came from when she said she was a little confused, especially in the final episodes, because 
Chi's on switch is located in Hova JJ, so that is supposed to undo the ability to have sex with the character. But they don't really make that explicit in. I don't feel like in the anime that if you know you do try to have sex with her, that you know that's going to reset her and therefore you're going to for she's going to forget everything about your relationship. So in the manga, it was much more explicit that you're supposed to find someone who will love you on a purely emotional level without the the strings attached of sexuality. Okay. And so I mean that was like kind of explicitly what uh, her creator was See? going for. I get that. Here's the problem, though, which I now realize what the problem is later on in the series. She is very childish. A little too childish. The entire Moe phenomenon is sexualization of something infantile, which is incredibly problematic. In fact, the word chobits is derived from... Uh, it's, it's right from a word chobi, which is basically supposed to be something small, defenseless that you really want to protect. It's basically a. I for get my it. So, it's still yeah. way more uncomfortable than I care for, especially when it's like, oh, you are getting aroused, and she is basically a little daughteru, but not really. She's kind of like an adult lady, even though she's has the mind of like a five-year-old and it's really really puts me off i don't care for it i i I, it's like i know the romance is the end game it was very much always going to be the end game i get that i get that i get Mm -hmm. that it still makes me very uncomfortable and that is unfortunately what happens when your anime adaptation puts way more emphasis on having chi do cute things whereas in the manga she she was still very much the same character but it didn't focus on her so much like the camera didn't take time out to show how infantile and cute she, she was. was and so, also it's even worse because it, you find out she actually was made to be a pseudo child to be loved preciousized and taken care of mm-hmm. so okay yeah no that's yeah. that's my rant on their relationship but i will say uh michelle ruff she's a little She's a little rough at the start. <laughs> but no, um, I think she really does a great job making Chi sound really adorable, cutesy, and robotic, but also genuinely very different as Freya <laughs> and Crispin Freeman. It, this is the wackiest Crispin Freeman I think I've ever heard. It was delightful. Hardy, um, let's get a different male perspective on this. Um, what's your thoughts on Michelle and Crispin? Uh, I've said this in previous episodes. That I have a very mixed feelings about Michelle Ruff as an actress in general. I've heard her in some very, very good performances. I've heard her in some where it sounds very obvious that it's, it's, she's just reading from the page. She is very 50-50 as an actress for me. And in this particular show, where she plays a robot, she most definitely sounds at her most robotic. <laughs> and it works. Well, and it shucks. works for the most part. What can be grating on, to me personally, I brought this up when we were talking about the writing, is how often she refers to herself in the third person. 
Mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't think that's a problem for the actress, but I think that's mainly just because that's the way the character was written. Um, and that can be very annoying at times to me. Um, as far as Michelle Ruff performances go, I would not say this is one of the strongest ones. Uh, but considering that she is a robot, the robotic speaking does work. And I feel like I'm being overly mean and critical right here, but it's 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 fifty fifty for me as far as this performance goes because it can be very annoying and yet at the same time it can also be very endearing. So it really all depends on the scene in question at the time. To play devil's advocate, do you? Can you imagine that this could have been done better in the English language, or was this always going to be a cursed production? I don't with? know. I have no opinion on that. I would have to listen to a different actress play the role. Yeah. Okay. In order for me Fair to enough. make an opinion, I would have to listen to someone else do their own version. Uh, probably several people do their own version, and and then judge from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Crispin Freeman, on the other hand. Uh, this is there this is not the type of performance from him we're used to. We're used to his his um, his deep and sultry performances like Alucard or or his you know his more stoic uh, bravado performances. Like I think he was um, like in Last Exile, in fact, where he was not Harlock. Um, no, he was Edgelord Harlock. <laughs> he, he was a uh, store brand yes. Harlock. Or as uh, or his role in Eureka Seven as Holland. Um, a lot of people forget he was in that. But uh, but hearing him go full goofiness uh, is just so much fun. Yes, because he is such a an energetic actor when he needs to be. Um, I think the performance i would compare this this one to the most would probably be um what's the guy's name from scryde uh straight cougar because he gets to sort of do this micro machines super fast talking uh bit with his character he sort of gets to do that micro machine speech sort of thing with him and uh and it's just hilarious and and hearing him as hideki as he gets to freak out and and speak too loud and out himself over his porn sites it's it's probably <laughs> my favorite personal favorite performance from the show um and yeah i just i think that he is one of the standouts easily all right um all right lilac mm-hmm. thoughts on hideki and chi uh i'm going to start with michelle first uh <laughs> because it's <sighs> Hmm. Michelle as Chi is probably the most interesting conversation, or one of the most interesting conversations to have right now. Um, because I'm kind of split on this. Um, Just like Chi is. She's uh, got another personality inside. I walked into that one. I yes, did. You did. 
That was horrible. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I'm very split on this because I can, I, I can see why people really love it. It's cutesy. It's adorable. She's a very silly goober. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, silly goober. Underpants. 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 Thank you, please. I can see it. I can also see how it might not work, though. Like, there are points, and especially early, very early on, again, where it was rather stilted and can be stiff at times, and granted, this is a robot. This is a robot. They probably went with the direction of trying to make her as robotic as possible, and... Mm. She doesn't have any memories, so she doesn't have a personality, effectively. Um, so that can also explain why she can be very, very robotic at for most of the show. But even then, like, having some semblance of personality or emotion can help. Mm -hmm. um, it's just very hard, because... Some people, I th a lot of people are, are probably going to be split on this. Like, a lot of people are going to earn the camp of, like, they absolutely love this performance. They think she's adorable and she's cute. There are some people who think that it's just way too robotic. It's not that great. They don't really like it. I'm kind of in the middle. I mean, I, I can say from just interacting with people who've seen the show for mm -hmm. a long time, I never really ran across anyone who was head over the moon for uh, yeah. Michelle Ross' performance as Chi. Uh, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of people were, at least with the persuasion that she was as good as the Japanese, mm -hmm. but more than not, more than not, it's a uh, the Japanese was better performance. Okay, I mean that makes a lot of sense. I have, I again, I didn't watch the Japanese, but um, <clears throat> but anyway. Yeah, it's, for me, I'm kind of in the middle where I can, it, it works sometimes, it doesn't work sometimes, um, though I think I, I lean a bit more in the doesn't work a good amount of the time, um, but I can't deny, I also can't deny that there was, there was a lot of care and attention put into the performance. I don't know if maybe it was just direction and the vocal quality that kind of threw it off, um, but it was, it was, there were a lot, uh, quite a few points where it could be, where it was a little difficult to sit through, um, mm -hmm. for me. Uh, and then <laughs> we have, there we <coughs> oh, go, people. Boy. get your popcorn. Oh boy. Oh, Crispin Freeman. So for those who may or may not know, Crispin Freeman is oddly enough, one of my favorite voice actors, oddly enough, and it's... he wasn't even in Monster. No, he wasn't. I'm I'm blanking. I'm like, wait, was he? <laughs> yeah, even I'm trying to remember if he was. God, <laughs> <laughs> shut up, Noah. And <clears throat> and I think, God, we we rarely talk about him, or at least I rarely get to talk about him. I don't remember the last time I got to talk about him. Oh, I can tell you. Oh, uh, I know there was there. Were, he Suzumiya. Thank you. I about to say there was some point where I talked about him. I just couldn't remember offhand. Um, 
Now, if, if you've been living under a rock and don't know who Crispin Freeman is, aside from the roles that Noah just <laughs> listed here, um, you can probably sense maybe a trend uh, where he usually... <clears throat> Crispin Freeman will usually voice like very... So maybe slightly burly or very mature or very badass characters like Alucard from Helsing or um, Shizu Ohewajima from Da-da-da-da or you might have the slightly sarcastic and maybe a little bit comedic ones like you have uh, like Noah just reminded me because I'm an idiot uh, Kion from Hari Suzumiya or Tyler from the Irresponsible Captain Tyler but, um, when your impression of Crispin Freeman in this show is the first episode, is in the first three minutes of the show, where he's yelling, I got rejected! And is freaking the <laughs> fuck out. You know you're in for a very wild ride. <laughs> because you do not ever see a spazzy spazzy Crispin Freeman like like energetic and spazzy like oh my god like there's sarcastic like Kion this is not like there's no sarcasm with this character like there is sarcasm that Kion and, and Captain Tyler have but like sweet lord Hideki's an idiot <laughs> Hideki is a straight up idiot and as a spaz, all the hell. This is very different than what you can typically associate Crispin Freeman as. This is so fucking different. And I'm also very torn on it. Like, I appreciate that this is not the Crispin Freeman that I normally know. I fully appreciate that because it just show for me it shows a different side of his vocal range and just more of his acting chops. But there are also points where it's like I don't know how to feel about it. Like I don't know if again if it's a direction issue. Oh. Like I don't know. There were points where the fact that I'm even saying this is astounding to me. Like, cause I, again, I love Crispin Freeman. Like, he's amazing. He's an amazing actor. But like, sometimes it can almost borderline going like too hammy or too far. There are points. Oh. It never goes like into that range, which thank God it doesn't, because you would have really completely lost me there. <laughs> but, like, there are points where it kind of teeters that fine line. Um, and it's hard for me to... It was hard for me to really get into that performance, too, because of it. Like it's solely, be <clears throat> solely because it, it's so different from what you're used to hearing. Like, if this had been the first Crispin role that you'd ever heard before, w would you similarly have had a problem getting into it do you think i think so oh okay i honestly think so because um vocal in terms of the vocal tone hideki i think is similar sounding at least to captain tyler 
That's true. So I register wise, register wise. Yes. So I feel like I would be fine with that register going into it, but I think because of the crazy personality at points, and then there are points where the performance during some of the serious moments did seem kind of stiff, which is very weird to say about Crispin Freeman because Crispin Freeman is fucking fantastic. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just so torn. I'm very torn because I love Crispin's performances so much, but like, compared to some of the other things I know Crispin for, this is not one of my favorites. Um, I'm not saying it's horrible or the absolute Wait. worst thing in the world. Absolutely not. Again, I appreciate the fact that this is very different than what I normally associate Crispin Freeman as. Mm -hmm. But I think this just turns into an issue I have overall with the dub itself, really, is that I think it's just very, it can, it's just very rough a good portion of the way through, and it doesn't have a full consistency. Um, compared to a performance like Tony Oliver's or like Mona Marshall's. Um, Crispin's isn't as bad of a consistency problem as other actors, but it's not f like full-fledged consistency throughout either, I think. That being said, yeah. Lila, like, you probably haven't seen uh, like many harem anime that were coming out around that same time period, have you? Like, have you seen Tenchi Muyo or Love Hina? Okay, because that's kind of the archetype that uh, the show itself was kind of playing off of. So to give a, a similar type of character, a similar, um, essentially a harem protagonist, a different kind of voice. Because those kind of characters are like shrill, uh, not whiny, I wouldn't say, but like, I mean, I guess you, could, you know the archetype. You know, the, the, the spineless doofus who gets the hot girls going after him we've seen it in a billionaire show we've seen it in two love room we've seen it in my bride's a mermaid that's not the kind of character that hideki is in this show by intention because one he doesn't get a harem and no three computers does not count as a harem stop thinking they, they kind of got hitched like, off screen a lot of them that you could call that a, a bait and switch because it was setting it up with your expectations that oh so these are the three girls he's going to bang there was, there was even supposed to be more. There was supposed to be, like, a childhood best friend trope was supposed to be sprinkled in there, too, but that just never got written in. I'm kind of glad she did it, because they almost never win. I'm trying to think of a time when they did win. Uh, I, I uh, know a show where they do, but I want you to watch it for yourself. Anyways, continue. Uh, Final Fantasy Can you tell seven. me what it is? Final Fantasy VII. You know what, Hardy? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I'll, get, I'll, I'll get right on that anime. Where's it streaming? Your PlayStation 4, fucker. My what now? Okay, I'm, I'm gonna take the mic, and I'll make this very brief, because I think we've beaten this topic in very heavily. There is a lot of people out there. There are people who go through the same phase, this, this post-high school, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, I don't have very many life skills, the big world is a new place to me. But I am willing to endure the difficulties. I'm willing to learn. And if I stumble upon the way, then that is just part of the experience. Which is exactly what Hideki strikes me as. He's not a self-entitled man-baby who uh, just falls into the breasts of all the women around him. He's a guy... 
I, yes, and, and, and in a completely non-condescending kind of way. Like, n- just because he doesn't get with a human girl by the end, we're not mocking him for that. That's not the kind of character. He does not deserve our mockery. What he does deserve is to kind of... what Exactly what Crispin gives him. He gives him that... Uh, okay. Self-aware that he's an idiot. Very humble, but incredibly a good friend. And probably the best scene that illustrates that is the scene where he is... Um, the teachers uh, come over. Takako is uh, spending the night... And she confronts him, do you think it's wrong to fall in love with another person if you're already with another person? And he says, sleepily, which, you know, he wasn't th- even thinking about this, no, those are your emotions, you can't control your emotions, it's best to be honest with yourself. And Crispin sells those much better than uh, even, I think, the Japanese, because the Japanese was much gruffer, lo- even lower than uh, Crispin's performance. Um, and played the angrier moments a lot better. Like when uh, Hideki gets upset, those are believable in the Japanese. I don't buy Crispin as upset. Even in scenes where he's like knocking people over and getting very frazzled, I don't buy him as mad. I just buy him as concerned. And that's why I like Crispin's performance a lot. I I had a roommate who did not like the dub at all, but even she uh, was kind of uh, on board with Crispin's performance of this character. Less so on Michelle's performance of Chi. And everything you guys said about it, I basically feel the same way on it. It's uh, kind of up in the air about if it's good or not. Just kind of depends on your stomaching for sentimental material, which her performance is incredibly that. The childlike element of it, yes, is problematic in the idea that someone with a infantile personality should be hooking up with essentially an almost 20-year-old person. But uh, putting that aside... Her dynamicism in being, uh, in saying that you can love someone for who they are without needing the physical attachment to it, without needing the sex, as they call it, is kind of, is refreshing, because I don't see very many shows that are like that. It's almost, uh, Christian abstinence in a way, but not in the kind of way that makes you, uh, lurch. That is a strange connection if I ever heard one, but it actually makes sense. Yeah, I had I saw in a forum post once someone asked, "Do you read a uh, maintain your virginity until marriage dynamicism in Chobits?" Which I had never really heard it that way. Um, but yeah, when you read it out like that, it kind of feels that way. And you know, if you don't have the sweet voice of Michelle Ruff to uh, play up Cheese personality, then it kind of comes off as a little less believable. But with that, I think we've covered all of the characters. And with that, we are ready to wrap up our thoughts on this. And they were deep thoughts indeed. I want to give Hardy the floor first. Because uh, as a person who also saw the show, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you listed this in like your top 20 anime in a stream that we did a yeah, while ago. Yeah, Isn't it was over correct? 10 years ago. I'm not sure it would still be in the top 20 it probably will be, because I've watched a lot of other shows that I've enjoyed since then. And, um, I... I Has it really been over, like, almost ten years ago at this point? Desu Des for Life, for yeah. Oh, my Desu God. Desu Des for Life. That, I... Oh, my God, I feel old. Yep. <laughs> <gasps> Shit. Anyway, sorry. So I... Manime Monday! <laughs> yeah. It'll make your balls bigger! <laughs> Tiger chopping! Helicopter body oh, slamming! Absolutely. And lots and lots Sharks. of muscle-bound shirtless men! 
I still have the copy of the promo you sent to me a while ago on my computer for shits and giggles. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Anyways. I- Wait, I need to show it to Andrew at some point. Okay, never mind. All right. Later, later. Later, not so, now, Watching this, I forgot just how pervy this show was. It's so pervy. It's so pervy. <laughs> it, is, it's, it is a fan service anime, and people forget that. They see the cute little robot girl on the front and they completely forget all the copious amounts of panty shots and and um, and cleavage shots and it's not as bad as something like Icky Tosin or High School DxD not nearly yeah. but it's it's a pretty perverted anime and it goes into uncomfortable situations such such as implied incest with the with the two sisters and um yeah, lusting, falling in love with her father figure, which is ew, and um, also uncomfortable plots like you know trying to seduce your teacher or or a man your who bakery is bakery te- manager, a, a bakery manager who is already a widower, uh, falling in love with a high school student. It, it it does go into some rather cringy. Moments, especially the Peep Show. The Peep Show was something else. Oh, clamp got a clamp. Was so that was very uncomfortable. I uh, was so uncomfortable. Oh, with that. Uh, Jesus Christ! Fun fact. Fun fact. The guy who runs that Peep Show. One other role Fuck that you. he played in an English. Fuck before. you. M- Mullen Shetland from Last oh. Exile. The the nice guy character. Oh, that that was. It's been a hot minute since I watched Last Exile. I should throw that, that onto my pile of stuff I'm watching. Was not yeah. the character I thought you were gonna go for. But anyways, anyways, uh, no, Andrew's mad because it's Kakashi. Fuck um, you. <laughs> Fuck you. Shit. <laughs> 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 but no, I I have a story to go along with this. Just seeing as how Chobits is so, it is so you know surprisingly pervy. I have a story. Coming home from a fest a few years ago, I decided to stop in Little Rock for the night. And while I was there, I decided to take a look downtown, see if there were any places of interest. And I found out that there is a video rental store called RAO Video in downtown Little Rock. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. And so I went to check it out. I wanted to rent Bloodsport. They had it, but they wouldn't let me rent it because you have to be an Arkansas resident in order to rent something. So that kind of shut things down. Um, and, and in general, they have a decent selection, but their so-called anime selection is more along the lines of the westernized stuff, like the Justice Wonderful. the Justice League movies and maybe a copy of the Animatrix or something like that. Lovely. But here's where the this... The, the story takes a bit of a turn because being that I am a man, I noticed that they had an adult section. Oh dear. I remember this now. Okay. okay. Yep, I remember the story. And so, just to be curious, I'm expecting something like a small <laughs> little thing with maybe a few rows of DVDs. Um, no, they have it under a security, a, l- a security locked where you have to input a password before it unlocks the door. And so I'm thinking this is just a small thing. I go up there. It leads upstairs to the second story of the building. And it is a straight up porn shop. I think, I think they have more porn DVDs 
upstairs than they do regular DVDs downstairs. I'm dead serious in that. I believe. I mean, and it's it's not your kitty stuff. It is the real raw deal stuff. <laughs> the I'm raw like, dog, if you will. Raw dog. And I'm like looking at this. I'm like, I don't think what? some of this is legal. <laughs> But anyways, it turns out they do have a very small hentai section. And so it, I'm going to look at it, and I'm looking over the titles that they do have. And what do I find but the original Pioneer Genion DVD singles of Chobits. <laughs> wow. In the hentai section. And this tells me that the person who runs the store has never watched an anime in their life, and I can't help but thinking that some poor, horny bastard rinsed this out, <laughs> expecting a night of, of debauchery, and puts this DVD in and is like, what the hell am I watching? Let me be with you. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so final th thoughts on my show aside, I don't know if it's still in my top 20. It's still a show that I really enjoy. And it is not hentai, but I will never forget the time I found Chobits at the adult section of a local video store. The day you told me that story and that you found Chobits, it was the funniest shit in the world to me. It was like, oh my That's god, awesome. really? All right. It's great. But yeah, that's it for oh, me. Man. Okay. Thank you, Hardy. Thank that made that made my birthday. Thank you. <laughs> made your birthday. Your birthday's in, in like a few months, dude. He, he back ordered. That, that made he the back podcast ordered. birthday. He back ordered. <laughs> back ordered. Well, okay. It's pre ordered, Andrew. His birthday's in August. Andrew, Andrew, tell us: is this porn or is this not <laughs> porn? God damn it. it, it it is It is written by Lady Fan Surface, which the difference to that earlier is like written by Dude Fan Surface. I almost feel like they kind of want to force you to remember how horny it is. I think mm -hmm. stuff written by ladies, it's like they're kind of okay with just letting things be horny, and like they trust you to remember that it's horny. They they're not going to shove all of the things in your face aggressively. You're not going to shove a cooter. You're not going to shove the, the broobs. It's just like, oh, it, it's horny and it knows it's horny. It knows the so, ladies... What? So, it, it, so you're saying it's the exact opposite of your Twitter account. <laughs> okay. No, hey. no, 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 no. Correction, hey. correction. It's his not-safe-for-work Twitter account. He has a separate one. That's why. Oh, okay. I have gotten so much better at keeping that stuff off of my main lately. Everybody jokingly calls me horny on main. I have done a good job, a damn good job, separating that. None of you appreciate the occasional it. one that slips through. None of you appreciate it. And then there's the it. occasional no, no, you know, one that slips through, not by your own, not by your own design, but it just happens. But no, no, I'm I'm going to actually go through your Twitter while, while you're talking, and I'm going to see like, okay, how actually okay thank you anyways so going through the show i'll say this this was a strange one to really revisit the dub's a little bit dated in some regards it's kind of interesting to hear some performances i kind of didn't really like expect from certain actors some i thought were a little stiff at times 
This is a weird show. It took a while for it really to to work for me, but it have, I, I kind of realized this is a... It's a weird show. It's not one I think I loved. It's not one I'm rushing to watch again, but I enjoyed my time with it. It's also weirdly relaxing to me. Like, I was watching this in bed, and I realized the bed felt a lot comfier watching it. It just... It was kind of relaxing Aww. in a strange way. Like, it also is helped by the show's OST, which is basically, it's basically a mix of elevator waiting music and, like, jazz club. It's so mm -hmm. strange. It's a weirdly relaxing show for me to watch, but it's also very strange and probably my first real exposure to Clamp's weirdness. Boy, is it weird. Yes, really? I think this is my first well, real proper clamp show. Huh, I didn't know okay. that actually. I mean, considering the fact that you called it Triple X Holic, that's oh kind God. of obvious. But sense. no, I it's an odd show, but I think I enjoyed my time. I think overall I enjoyed my time with it, but I feel like my opinion of the show is it's a it's kind of a 50-50 split of I liked it slash I didn't like it. But I I enjoyed well, my time with it, and I especially enjoyed my time discussing it tonight and i appreciate you being honest about it same with you lilac uh please be honest although can try to keep it condensed please i'll try very very hard uh <laughs> so my thoughts about this show aside because this show has me very confused and it was very hard for me to really invest myself into this show, and I think that might be why my viewing experience suffered from it, because I wasn't fully invested into the show. Um, but that aside, the dub is, I'm going to agree with Andrew, it's 50-50 to me. It, there is quite a few stilted, stiff performances, but it does hit exactly where it needs to at the right moment, which I appreciate. It has different performances than what I normally would expect from individuals. Hello, Crispin Freeman. Um, but I think... I don't want to call this dub a product of its time. I really don't want to. Because I... Because it kind of is, but it also isn't. And I, I don't want to call it that. And it's, it's, it, Chobits is a show that I'm not gonna immediately like instantly jump up, jump up and want to watch again. I won't lie. But I see the fun qualities in it. I do think it has its moments where it's very cute and adorable, and it really does hit hard where it needs to hit hard. For me, at the end of the day. I just didn't end up invested in the show. Um, but the dub is 50-50. It has fun performances. It has not-so-fun performances. Your mileage is going to vary, basically. And while some people will love it and enjoy it, I'm one of those people that... <sighs> I hate... I don't like saying it! I hate being the voice of dissent. I really do. I hate it. I hate the being the voice of dissent. Um... This show, I think, just was not my cup of tea. Are you saying it was not the one for you? It was not the one for me. 
it was not the one for me. I un- I get I get why I get why people enjoy it, and I understand Noah that you love this show to bits, and you have a nostalgic feel to it. To it, it's just it. I, I love it to chill bits. I know you do. You love it so much. Such chill bits. Um, at the end of the day, it just was not a show for me. I think is the main problem. Okay. Um, but the dub, the mile, your mileage is gonna vary. Your mileage is gonna vary. You're gonna like it. You're gonna you're gonna like parts of it. You're gonna dislike parts of it. It's a 50-50 shot, whether you will absolutely love it or just be okay. For me, it's okay. Okay. And th- I don't think you should hate being the dissenter, because if you were to try to sugarcoat it, then, well, that, that wouldn't be honest. That wouldn't be believable to no, us. No, yeah. So like, I appreciate your honesty. Like, I will admit when I absolutely hate shows... I will. We've been in we're, those we're situations. Sit, <laughs> we are not going to sit there and make you eat this cake and th- this lemon custard cake and pretend that it's the greatest thing ever. No, You're yeah. allowed to say that lemon meringue pie sucks, which is true. Hey, what? So wait, wait, what? Lemon, okay lemon meringue pie does suck. So you're not if wrong. It, yes. So Hardy's going to argue <laughs> with us in like five seconds. No, he, he can't. No, it's it's a scientific fact. <laughs> lemon meringue pie is just the weakest, worst of all of the Where pies out there. You take I would that take back. Any, oh, no. I would take coconut cream pie, perfectly acceptable. Um, red velvet cake, I'm learning to like it a little bit more. Even key lime pie, which is just a few degrees away Where from the lemon meringue. Where the fuck did this aggressive that. baking discourse come in? Look, look here. The best pie is blueberry pie, but only because my family has a really fun recipe for it. So, yeah. And even and that is gr- and I'm sure that no one would disagree that lemon meringue pie is just the weakest <laughs> of them all. No, shut the fuck I, up. Considering how Hardy is reacting to this, I think he would very. I much think he disagree. has some words for you. You and I are gonna talk I next time we see each other. Huh? Oh no! So, are we? Do- you can try to suplex me, man. I was about I, to say, are we gonna see another suplex? We are, of course, gonna we're gonna happen? another gonna get another suplex. No, you're gonna give him a full <laughs> Nelson next time. <laughs> no, 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 That's all right. no, 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 no. This I, is I, how it's gonna go. Noah's gonna get oh, a full Nelson. Meanwhile, after that, he's going to immediately grab Andrew, suplex him on top of Noah, who's recovering from oh, a full no. Nelson. Yeah. Heck no! I no, I am taking no. I, I will be there to, to take video of this. Town, and you are going to endure. Okay, this, okay, this is the weirdest dojin we have created for ourselves. <laughs> we. This is exactly how I planned for this episode to end. Okay. Clearly. Oh yes, keep going. Please, please. Keep... let's keep going. But in the in, in actually wrapping this up, it is true that the show holds a very deep, uh, dear place in um, just. Being willing to tackle topics that I don't see addressed in very much other medium. Like, other science fiction has talked about topics like uh, human technology, human robot slash human computer relationships before. Like, even uh, not long after this anime came out, there was a, um, I believe it was a Walking Phoenix movie called uh, Her that was based on her or she. You're right. Yeah, that was essentially the same concept of, of, substituting human re- interactions with those of a mechanical device. And that person that device didn't even have a face or a body. It was just a voice. Mm-hmm. So uh, having it covered in this anime, which kind of lures you in with the promise of fan service, 
or porn in some cases, <laughs> and actually kind of sideswipes you into making you think about where we're going with technology, technological dependency, the degradation of society, of conventional relationships, of women being mistreated. All of those topics are covered in a way that is comfortable and really more rewarding than I expected to get out of it. And I'd like to give a big thank you to my roommate, or my past housemate, you know, this was from back in college, Kimani. Because Kimani was actually the one who gave me the individual DVDs that I have. I have the original Pioneer Genion releases, Aww. all seven of them. Uh, she was not able to take with them uh, when she went off to work after college. So thank you very much, Kimani, for that. Aww. And those were those were a big uh, help in uh, putting this episode together. And with that being said, um, I, I, I've got no more to say on this. Thank you, guys. We got to talk about Chobits. I am so happy. Who the fuck are we and what do we do and where do people find us and how do you watch Chobits? That is an excellent question. I have so many so, questions. If, if you would like to watch Chobits, you can go back in time and buy the original Genion God. DVDs for $20 a pop. Or you could be smart and do what Lilac did and buy the Blu-ray uh, release that Funimation put out recently. Mm-hmm. They reacquired the show. Um, I believe that uh, the re-release also includes the recap episodes and the Chibit OVA. Yes. Is that correct? Uh, recap episodes, yeah. I didn't quite check to see it, if it does. the uh, Chibits it does. on there. Okay. Oh, you probably own the it, same one as I do. Mine's the um, the Blu-ray Anime Classics. I, I just have the I have yep. the Anime Classics on DVD version. So okay, gotcha. Mm. They're probably yeah. identical. So. Yeah, sounds like it. But that's interesting. So yeah, so Hardy had the DVD. Lilac had the Blu-ray. I had the originals, and Andrew, you watched this on. I watched it on a streaming site. Which streaming site, actually? Well, I've been told that you can watch Chobits on Funimation's website, where they are streaming everything that they own in subs and dubs available, Mm -hmm. including Chobits, including a whole ton of content that you can enjoy for yourself for the low, low price of eight ninety nine a month. There is even a unless you want to watch Drifters. Please don't we start don't that talk. topic. Okay. Please yeah. do not start cut that, that out. conversation. Cut that out. Cut that out. Do not start that conversation. No. I, I, I do. I am also mad about that because I never got around to watching it, but I'm not going to linger on it yeah. for too long. Now is not the time for that conversation. I love you, Hardy, but not now. <laughs> Which you can enjoy for the low, low price of $8.99 a month. There is even a two-week free trial available if you want to just give it a try and find out that you could buy a giant-ass box set of every show you want to watch or you can watch it all on from the convenience of your own living room now if you want to follow us on dub talk you can follow us on twitter you can follow at dub talk podcast you can follow us on youtube here at the dub talk podcast you can follow us on podbean similar name we also have accounts on twitch where i believe lilac wants to lead us all in a game of jackbox next she gets next time she gets probably oh probably probably um, are there any other uh, special accounts that I we should plug all, on here? We I- also have an Instagram, a, Instagram, and a Tumblr, but Tumblr is dead for one, and Instagram hasn't been updated in a hot minute. So mostly, yeah, your uh, your best bet we, is we, either, we like saying it, it because we have them. We have them, but your best sure. bet is definitely either the YouTube channel, the Podbean feed, the Twitter, and then the occasional Twitch. That's your best bet. Yes. But there is another yes. way too, Noah. Explain to the good people. There is, additionally, we have our very own Patreon, 
where uh, for just a couple of dollars a month, you can help support us in putting together special episodes like this that help branch off from just covering the simul dubs and really getting into the history of anime dubbing. And we want to give a huge shout out to those lovely individuals who help support us on Patreon. We have our $5 patrons. Please, everyone, give a big thank you to Miraculous Corazon, Michelle Travis, B. Morris, Crimson Echidna, and Nico Robin. Up with Yowie hands. <laughs> thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Additionally, we would like to give an even bigger shout out to our $10 patrons. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a showbiz round of applause to J2, aka Jared. Julia W., Jacob Wilson, Carly Lestikow, and Marissa Lenti. Every one of you are amazing. Round of applause. And let's wrap this all up here. Uh, Hardy, tell us where you are and what you do. Uh, Yeah, I am a forum moderator over at the Funimation forums and Discord. I also have, you can find me on Twitter, at Spaceman Hardy. I basically have been doing nothing but retweeting Final Fantasy VII fan art. It's kind of my thing, my hey, life now. No. So, Hey, hey Hardy. N- not just any Final Fantasy fan oh, art. Yeah. Lo- hey, Hardy. Yeah. What ca- Tifa. Tifa. Hardy, when are you going to post mo- more goat pictures again? I miss I them. will post a goat picture for you <laughs> right this instant. Yay. Heck yeah, you will. Aww. Thank you. All right. Anyway. Donkey pants. Donkey pants. Hashtag donkey pants. <laughs> While he's doing that, Andrew, what are you uh, up to these My days? name is Andrew, a.k.a. Classy Spartan. You can find me over on Twitter at MangaMan9000. Uh, I am also a forum moderator and Discord moderator <laughs> for Funimation as well. I'm also a co-host on... Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA anime podcast alongside fellow Dub Talk co-host Jet, as well as I spend some time being the goofy goober boyfriend of one lilac anime review. Hi. <laughs> is that the segue where I'm next? Apparently yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, I... <laughs> Thanks, babe. Uh, so, my name is Stephanie. Some people on the internet call me a lilac, especially if you're, oh, uh, since we talked about it, the good old Desu Des Brigade days. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being spelled R E V U E. I also have a blog that is in desperate need of being updated, uh, lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com. And as what I have been doing for these recordings for the past, like, month, all, going on two months now. Um, please stay safe. Please, please stay safe. Stay healthy. And wash your fucking hand, you filthy heathens. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is my new thing now, is reminding you, please stay safe. Please be good to one another. And wash your fucking hands. Listen to the chorus Have of Another night. One Bites the Dust when you wash your hands. Or you could sing Toto's Africa. That works. No, also the, uh, the, uh... The chorus from uh, Cruel Angel's Thesis. Does that work? Oh, that's amazing. Oh my god, that does work. Holy shit. Anyway, yes, please be say healthy, be good to one another, wash your hands, I'm done. And my name is Noah Clue. You can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue, where I'm currently in the middle of posting one video for every like from my animation collection. 
which I should probably get on in the morning because it's really fun to crack open all the home videos you have and realize, holy shit, I own a lot of cartoons. I should really watch some of someday. How many likes do you have for that? I'm considering doing something similar. But how many likes do you have uh, for that right now? It's only been a day, but I've racked up 30 likes so holy far, and Jesus. I've only posted 10, uh, 10 posts. You should get so on So I need to I, I will update in the morning. Lord, all right. Yes. So that's uh, that's our episode, um, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all very much for joining in on this. Let's uh, let go forth in love and peace. Love, peace, and robots. Cheese. I'm just gonna end this by saying, "Let me be with you." Might be one of like the coolest, greatest like anime ops I've heard in a while. Okay, that, song's that op is cute. It's so cute. It's adorable. That song is catchy. It's charming. Oh my god, it's so simple, but I love it. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy, and I love it. Hey, let hey, me hey, hey, Andrew. Let me pee on you. Uh, get the fuck out of here, R. Kelly. We're all having and a good time. Done. We're having a good time. There's the porn parody. <laughs> Aloha and otaku on my Fall friends. In love with- get, get that going. Fall in love with us again next week. Yay. Good night, everybody. All right, one second, guys. I have to go. Uh, I'm sorry. I have to put Leo to sleep. He's starting to cry. I will be back in one minute, okay? Okay. okay. We'll, we'll trim this part out. I like how that was instantly your guys' instinct is to go into that. That's great. I, I think my favorite thing is just the random sumobos they would add into those as often as they could. And the Kotoko's when she showed up. Kotoko's too. sometimes, yeah. Mostly sumomo. And then I think only at least twice the cow. <laughs> at least No, the twice. cow would show up the cow would always show up usually in the beginning uh, eye catch. I think I saw it um, at the end sometimes. I yeah. saw it at the end twice. Oh, okay, yeah. Obviously the end of the first episode because it was the first episode, but I saw it a second time further down the line. So... Some of those eye catches I didn't pay attention and would just skip, honestly. So, I've, it's oh been very—it's been a very fun day watching all the Inuyasha fans lose their shit today. Oh yeah. Uh, Steph, do you know why? I already—I already saw. Okay. I know why. I—I I, I only know in passing, okay. though. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hardy, by all means, if if this is starting to run long, don't be afraid to tell us, okay? Okay. Right. Noah, Noah, you missed it. The second that you went to go put Leo down to sleep, both of the boys went ba 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 da 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 They legit went and did that, and in my head, in my headphones, basically in sync with each other. <laughs> Beautiful. So I'm like, funny. oh god. Okay, that's going. That's going in the episode then. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. All right. We can okay. put that at the very end. That's a good idea, yeah. actually. That's, that's fun. That's Thank a fun you. idea. Anyway, right. tag in, and.